Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, the chicken. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Good Tuesday afternoon to you. Bright and sunshiny, not as warm as you would like it, but we'll take it compared to yesterday. No question about that. A busy show. I will get down to business with that angle for you in just a minute. The news of the day, and it's news that everybody expected regarding Zach Eady, but Zach Eady is indeed going to at least go through a process. He declares for the NBA draft he is going to see exactly what holds out there and we'll see what happens and then if you know things aren't as what he wants or what they say then he'll double back and the uh, National Player of the Year will be back at Purdue coming up next season. With that and a lot more for the first time since what was a massively disappointing end to the Purdue basketball postseason, Matt Painter is going to join us coming up at 4 o'clock today. And there is a lot we'll get to with Matt, including this story. And, and really, this is what everybody expected, so there's not a lot there. But there is a lot, certainly, that we can get to with Matt, and we'll do that coming up in the 4 o'clock hour today. Again, that is the news of the day. Meantime, kind of interesting, right, how things are swinging? Got nine days away from the NFL draft, and now all of a sudden the Colts are in prime position, reportedly sticking at number four. We'll see. We shall see. This is like the sense of normalcy that you get leading up to the draft. That's why I say all the time, and it doesn't mean that we don't enjoy it. It doesn't mean that it's not fun. Now, it also doesn't mean that it's not incredibly monotonous talking about this. But truth be told, about 90% of what we talk about regarding the NFL draft can be flushed right down the toilet when it's said and done. You can look back at all these different conversations we've had and tried to justify this and justify that and read the tea leaves there and look on the inside there, having an educated guess here. We can go through all that and still not be even close to the right answer. And that especially holds true 
if you're a team like most are, except for Carolina in in this case, and especially if you're a team that is looking for that specific position, like the Colts are, they're really like the Texans are. That whole thing is still kind of weird. But Carolina gets to pick and choose. If Carolina likes C.J. Stroud at the beginning when they traded up, they get number one overall, and then their minds have been changed. As we heard yesterday, Bryce Young has canceled all of his future one-on-ones. So everybody believes to be at Carolina at the top of that list is going to select the Alabama quarterback. So they can get what they want out of this. And then everybody else be damned. So now, and especially as of yesterday, it was Adam Schefter. And listen, I'm not going to downplay it. I mean, Adam Schefter is the information guy by all NFL reporting standards. So if he says that his belief is, as of yesterday, the Colts could stay at four and get the second best quarterback out there after Carolina selects theirs, then I think we could all be led to believe that that is absolutely the case. We can all believe it. I guess what it comes down to is this. So why all of a sudden you get that slide? And it's C.J. Stroud in that that slide right now. Why all of a sudden is it? It's funny. So I did this video with uh, Tony Katz a little bit earlier today, and he asked me that very thing. He asked me the uh, the question regarding, all right, so you, you C.J. Stroud, what could be going on here? And you kind of get this garden variety of stuff. And listen, all that matters to me, and, and believe me, I'm not trying to downplay the significance of being a leader, right? The significance of being able to get along, bring everybody together, and not bring in separation, Not to turn stuff into a clown show. I know that that is incredibly important. But at the same time, the reason why that I've liked Stroud more than anybody else was just, and I know it's a small sample size and I'm sure it's incredibly unfair, was the way that he played against the best. I was so impressed with how he performed against the best. And that had been my thought. And our thought was that he was going to be completely unavailable. So now all of a sudden you see the Vegas odds slide on the behalf of of cj stroud and it makes you wonder why you know why now all of a sudden are people suggesting that well you know maybe he's not the best leader or locker room guy I mean, you know whatever yeah, i don't care honestly if it benefits the colts great If Stroud is there at number four, if Houston just sticks with Davis Mills and says, yeah, we'll just go ahead and wait on the whole quarterback thing, then so be it. You want to go with Will Anderson number two, then so be it. Now, granted, I mean, somebody could still trade up, right? Even though that I think that was a part of Adam Schefter and what he said yesterday that there was not a great deal of interest trading up. That's something we'll get into coming up here near the bottom of the hour. I'll explain in just a second, but I, I promise you this, you're going to like what is being said. If you are pro C.J. Stroud around here, or if you are on the fence and not really buying into what I've talked about 
over the course of the past months, you know, Will Levis or what has been brought into the forefront in the past month being Anthony Richardson. Well, you know, even that outside curveball opportunity of Hendon Hooker, if you are not sold on any of those and you're absolutely sold on Stroud, then you're going to like what is said. Because Vegas odds are pointing that way, and I'm assuming what Schefter said yesterday and has a bet with Dan Orlovsky that whether or not this is going to happen. Hard to believe that somebody would not want to trade up and do that. It's even more difficult for me to believe that Houston, certainly in need of a quarterback, doesn't make a move on a quarterback. Again, they can come back and tell you, we're just going with best player available. We didn't think one of these quarterbacks was best suited for our team. We were taking the best player available according to our board. And at the end of it all, they all end up coming back and saying, we knew what was going to happen. We knew they were going to do that. We knew they were going to do this. We knew this team was going to trade up. We knew the availability of the guy that we really wanted. We got the talent that was highest on our draft board. There is no way that can happen 100% of the time, but so be it. Especially in terms of when you draft for a need, and this is a desperate need. This is a, all right, you can't wait any longer, even if you're not completely sold, for example, on C.J. Stroud. I mean, you can't wait any longer. Can't wait any longer whatsoever. Got to go after it right now. So everybody's suggesting that C.J. Stroud's stock is indeed dropping. Does it drop past four? Because Listen, I've heard that lack of leadership story. I... Other than being able to tell you that that's what I've heard, I can't say that it's accurate, and then I kind of laugh at him because I'm thinking, I just care how this guy performs on the field. I mentor this guy. I mean, shape this guy. Mold this guy into a leader. And then if he plays well on the field, he'll be a leader just by what he does and the production that he provides. I, that doesn't worry me as much as apparently it worries others. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know what the hell kind of leader Will Levis is. I don't know what the hell kind of leader any of these guys are. This is normalcy. And normalcy is taking place right now. You get all this misdirection. It's just weird because, again, we've been talking about it for a number of months now. Somebody had told me a little bit earlier today, said, I mean, you got to be worn out on this. Well, I mean, of course, it happens like this every year. It is the even more magnified, though, when your team that you cover is drafting as high up at number four as the Colts are, and they have an absolute need. And they have an absolute need uh, in terms of a quarterback in a draft where a quarterback – yeah, you have quarterbacks that are available that nobody really seems to be be sold on it. So this is normalcy. This is what happens. And that's why I told you, 90-plus percent of what we're going to end up talking about is going to be a waste of breath. But it seems, it seems right now like it's important. Mark writes this, you are so right. If Stroud is there, we have to get him. He would be a solid choice at one, never mind number four. I cannot sit here and imagine. I mean, talk to me about leadership 
qualities or lack thereof later. I could not imagine a guy of that talent. You can talk about the Michigan game or you can say, hey, it's only one game against Georgia and he's really not that way or how much talent did he have or any of that crap. (laughs) Whatever. He looked pretty good to me. That is who I would go with if available. But again, this is normal operational procedure. Nine days out of the draft, this is all going to start coming into into the picture. And whether or not there's misdirection or sandbagging going on, uh, that is stuff we're going to have to try to figure out. But it is exciting. Matt Miller, NFL draft guy for ESPN and ESPN.com, going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. He has a mock draft that is on the way. And a mock draft that I'm assuming that a lot of you Colts fans will love, will enjoy. I don't know, maybe if you're anti-Ohio State, anti-Stroud, maybe if you buy into there being too much talent around him. Listen, I'm all for putting talent, more talent around him. Put a lot of t- Bring him here, draft him, and put a lot of talent around him. That's how it's supposed to work. Hey, and listen... Mahomes is a fantastic quarterback, but you know my man's still got to have some talent around him. All these guys have to have talent around him. Joe Burrow would be the same without all the skill position talent around him in Cincinnati. Got to have it. I'm all for it. Matt Miller at the bottom of the hour shall explain from ESPN. Also, draft analyst, from ESPN.com, Jordan Reed is going to be here coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll go over a lot of that stuff and then some. And we'll also start to get into a little bit more of what the Colts need. They suggest in this draft, and you can take it for what it's worth, cornerback, running back among those fruitful positions. And certainly the Colts need a cornerback. I guess the question would ask with their second-round selection, where would you go, wide receiver, edge rusher? cornerback if cornerback is deep if there is so much depth there would you just kind of wait on that a little bit longer to the third round how would you approach it i'm also curious about this your believability in chris ballard making this right decision i can't imagine cj strouds available they go a different direction i mean that would take that'd be a lot of explaining to do i think would it not a lot of explaining. Nothing against any of these other guys. And nothing against whom I've talked about in Levis for a while. I was just kind of resigned to the fact that that's what they were going to get. That's what they're going to be kind of not left with. That's the wrong thing to say. Not suggesting that they don't like him, but if you have a guy of that magnitude that's going to be available, you got to go with the guy of that magnitude. The leadership quality is bringing him down. It seems like a lot of crap. So we'll hit that over the course of the afternoon. Matt Miller coming up at the bottom of the hour. Jordan Reed of ESPN.com coming up in the 5 o'clock hour as well. All right. Don't get me wrong here. I'm not suggesting I need a fight. I'm not suggesting I need violence. And everybody's going to be ultra sensitive about this. And I had mentioned it yesterday. 
to me, the playoffs don't start until somebody gets their ass thrown out. The playoffs don't start until there are bent feelings surrounding one another when you're playing out there. I Maybe it's just me. You know, when you grow up and you, you watch the 80s, and I'm not saying, well, you got to go back there. I'd love to, but you guys are so sick at that, and I understand it. But you watch how they played then. I just kind of grew up on that. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. But if there's some physicality, there's some non-basketball back and forth going on, then so be it. It's funny watching that game last night with Sacramento and Golden State. You watch Draymond Green, you watch Doma Sabonis, you watch that play, you go back to the replay, and you watch you know, Sabonis you know, grabs the ankle, and Draymond Green does his best imitation of Christian Leitner and stomps on Sabonis and gets tossed out. I haven't heard yet today whether or not he's going to be suspended for a game number three, and believe me, I know that he packs along with him a great deal of history. You do that last night and you're going to get tossed. I will say this. I'm surprised because they go back and watch this. If they figure out somebody instigated that, then I'm surprised both wouldn't get tossed. In this era of the NBA, where they go back and they absolutely check over everything, and if there is anything in the neighborhood of instigating non-basketball crapola out there, they get the gate. Guys will get the gate. But deep down inside, I was watching that last night, and I just thought, yeah, nobody's injured, right? Everybody was okay. X-rays are negative, blah, blah, blah. I, that's when it all gets started for me. Again, you got the history of Draymond Green. And then Draymond Green oftentimes, and we have seen this over the years, uh, can become a detriment to that team. Now, it's tough to argue because they win at such a high-level clip. But he can become a detriment. And part of what you're going on from last night, even if they say you don't go on history, you just judge by the moment. You could see that thing coming a mile away. But I'll be honest with you, that's kind of, that crap is what you called it to me. Oh, that's just crap, and that doesn't belong in basketball. Yeah, I, I get it. You know, maybe not the basketball that you play or I play. You know, that lame stuff that we play, where we call our own fouls and that stuff. But when you get a team with a great deal of pride, and you kind of get... You get Draymond Green, who has a history of reaction. You get that arena that is packed, fired up, and ready to go. And you get a team that's been hungry for the better part of 10-plus years. I think that's going to happen. I think that's going to happen. I don't care, really, that it does happen. I judge it like this. Let the officials go back. Let the officials go back and hand down their their punishment. But that's just kind of, to me, what the NBA has been like. I'm not talking about, you know, everybody's bench clearing and throwing punches, but guys just going at one another. That's what it's like to me. I do enjoy it. I enjoyed that last night. I wish it were 
like it was where you just kind of look back on it. Maybe you hand out double technicals and you move on. But again, what Green did with his history, there was no way in the world he wasn't going to get tossed, and that's why we're talking about the possibility of a suspension. I don't want to see the guy get suspended. I don't have a rooting interest at all. But it kind of felt like last night, that's when the playoffs officially get started, when you have something like that. I mean, so far, the whole signature has been a couple of upsets and a lot of injuries. But that's, to me, when the playoffs get underway. And I enjoy it. I enjoyed it last night. <laughs> I thought I thought Sabonis, as much as I like Sabonis, I thought he was right there starting that stuff. He's grabbing an ankle. He wasn't happy, got dragged down, grabbed an ankle, and, you know, Green did the chest stomp. Green has the history, and Green, I mean, right out in front of everybody. Green was the reactor. And that is going to get you tossed. That really is going to get anybody tossed every time, but it's certainly going to get him tossed. Am I wrong about that? Is not that not when we see officially the NBA postseason start when you have something like that? I kind of root for. I kind of root for that back and forth. A little bit more animosity than just playing against one another. Again, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I'm not advocating violence or any of this, this wimpy bull crap that you might throw at me. I just, I think that when things escalate, that is part of it sometimes, especially at that level. And to me, that's what NBA basketball has, at least since I've paid attention and been watching it, you just kind of sit back and you wait on it. You don't get quite the love fest today or back then that you get today. But, man, I I love it. I thought that was great. I hope Draymond Green does not get suspended. Just get hefty, fine, and then you have Golden State and, and Sacramento back to Golden State with the Warriors down zip two in that best of seven. That fantastic to me. I just want a great series. I want it to be enjoyable, and I just think that that type of animosity will build and you'll have circumstances like that. And so be it. So be it. Yeah, the the light beam thing, I I don't know, I guess I don't really get it, but whatever floats your boat, right? <laughs> whatever gets everybody excited. But that was a hell of a game to watch last night. That was a lot of fun. It really was. Now, we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on, the NBA postseason a little bit later on. Chad Buchanan, Pacers general manager, is going to be on this show coming up tomorrow. We have a lot to hash out. I don't know. People have asked me because Davis told me yesterday that I should not get mad or be salty at a team because they don't let us all know who they're going to draft. Um, I found that so funny that I thought maybe I would ride that out with Chad Buchanan tomorrow and maybe bring it back saying, hey, you know what, if you and Kevin Pritchard I'm going to rail on you guys if you don't tell me who you're going to end up drafting. Of course you're not going to tell anybody who you're going to end up drafting. That does not leave us not to sit here and try to ultimately guess or at least break down what we think would be a perfect situation for the Pacers. It still seems like as hard as reportedly, allegedly, they went after OG Ananobi prior to the trade deadline, 
kind of seems like a little bit, doesn't it? That maybe that's revisited this offseason. Anybody else feel that way? I talked about how Toronto went out. And when a team goes out like that, and then you have rumors surrounding their coach, maybe bailing, going someplace else, and retooling the team, I think that probably still makes as much sense as it did going back to the trade deadline. Chad Buchanan comes your way tomorrow. Well, 3.15, 3.10 tomorrow for Chad Buchanan? What time it is? All right, that's coming up tomorrow. All right, today's show, Jordan Reed of ESPN.com. We'll go NFL draft in the 5 o'clock hour. Matt Miller is going to join us coming up at the bottom of this hour. Uh, he's got a mock draft forthcoming, and it is one that most of you Colts fans are going to be excited about. But we get down to business, serious business, approaching the nine-day mark at the nine-day mark until that NFL draft. Matt Miller, bottom of the hour, and Boilermaker fans and then some. This is going to be a conversation for everybody, everybody that pays attention to college basketball. Uh, Whether or not you were sickened by that loss by the Boilermakers and you're still mad, whether or not you laughed, if you are a college basketball fan, and at times you have a lot of questions, find yourself with a lot of questions about it, you are going to enjoy this conversation. Matt Painter is going to join us coming up at the very top of the 4 o'clock hour. All right, otherwise, 239-1070, email address, jmv at 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live where you guys are active. Go ahead and stay active in there. There is going to be a hell of a lot to talk about today, I promise you that. HD radio, if you have that function in your car, utilize it. The stream, the app, and 93.5 and 107.5, the fan, Matt Miller. ESPN Draft Analyst next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Excuse me, sir. Uh, there's been a little problem in the cockpit. The cockpit? What is it? It's the little room in the front of the plane where the pilots sit. That's not important right now. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm Matt Painter, top of the hour. You will not want to miss that. Jordan Reed of ESPN.com coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. And so the Texans like Davis Mills more than anybody in this draft at the top at quarterback. Huh? That and more coming at you. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, I'll check in with you guys in just a second. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline right now, you can find him at ESPN.com. He is one of those gurus, right, of the NFL drafts, one of a team of them. Right, get a what he does. We'll talk about that and a lot more in his upcoming mock draft. Matt Miller of ESPN.com is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Matt, thank you for the time. How are you? I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me on, as always. You know, it's funny. We live in the moment, don't we? And now we're in this moment where all of a sudden you start to hear these rumors floating around about this and that and who's not liked and who is more loved than the other guy. It's just normal operation procedure. Is it not a little over a week until the NFL draft right now? It is normal, and I, I think it is because we live in, in – like, that's a great way to put it. We absolutely do live in the moment, and it is a fluid process. And I all year this year I've been reminding folks of 2021 because the San Francisco 49ers traded up in February to number three overall uh, – or excuse me, in March. And everyone thought, hey, they traded up for Mac Jones. 
Well, they didn't. They traded up for Trey Lance. And when they made that decision was late in the process. You know, So I think that's something that we have to remind ourselves this year is we can hear, you know, six weeks ago, we can hear that the Panthers like C.J. Stroud. They may have at that time. Right now, they like Bryce Young. And I think that's why we see Bryce really as close as you can be to locked in as the number one overall pick. And and then we're all just chasing the dominoes after that that first one falls. Uh, Matt Miller of ESPN joins us. So there was one, your colleague Adam Schefter of ESPN was quoted as saying yesterday on NFL Live that the Colts at number four would get the second best quarterback on the board. Is that your read right now, Matt? Yeah, it is. And I have a seven-round mock draft coming out early next week. It's it's done. That's the you know peak behind the curtain. And I have the Houston Texans taking Will, Will Anderson, Jr., the defensive end from Alabama. And that is based on not what I would do, but it's based on what you're hearing around the NFL. Then we have the Arizona Cardinals at pick number three. I can't find anyone who wants to trade up when talking to teams. You know, you can talk to 12 scouts and, hey, you think you guys are moving up? No. Nope. Or, hey, do you think anyone else is moving up? Nope. So you can talk to GMs. Hey, is it, have you heard any chatter about people moving up? Not really. So it would be – I think it could happen. But it would be right now a surprise if someone were to jump into that number two or number three spot to get ahead of the Colts to get that second quarterback off the board. Again, check out that uh, draft that's coming up from Matt Miller, the NFL draft guru from ESPN with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We'll get to more of that in depth with you in just a second. But I had you on maybe three weeks ago, and I gave you my scenario that I'd heard that the Colts back during the season. Because when you have a really circusy uh, joke of a season, as the Colts had a year ago, you start talking about high draft selection quarterback possibilities uh, as I did back in October and I had heard at that time that there was a great deal of interest in Will Levis now I haven't really heard anything since we talked about that the last time out but in the past week you have heard that CJ Stroud may be falling the Vegas odds state that CJ Stroud is falling and I had also heard that maybe and this was maybe going back four weeks or so ago that Stroud maybe doesn't have the leader quality or that value right now as a lot of teams want to draft him that high. Is that part of the reason why we see some of those folks out there in the know and those odds makers in Vegas suggesting that he's going to fall? And I, I think potentially, I haven't heard anything about CJ and leadership or anything like that. Um, not discounting what you've heard. You know sure. how it is. Sometimes sure. one person tells you one thing. Uh, so I think it's more so that it's you know he was so locked in at two in the minds of everybody a month ago. The closer we get, it does seem like the Texans don't feel like they have to take a quarterback at two. The Cardinals aren't going to take a quarterback at three, and because there's that lack of trade buzz right now, excuse me, it is hard to find a you know to get the Raiders to come up or to get the the Titans to come up, and so I think. CJ, you know, quote, unquote, falling is more that no one's coming up to get him and the teams at two and three aren't going to draft a quarterback. So I think I think India four is a sweet spot for him. And it's funny because when you and I talked last, we would have never like really imagined a scenario where he would be available at pick number four. All the focus was on, okay, like CJ and Bryce go one, two, then what happens? And so now it's this, this 
situation where really for Chris Ballard and co, this is a dream scenario where a player who is, you know, the one B to Bryce Young's one A is going to be available at pick number four. You know, what's funny about that, Matt, is um, it's not like anybody's probably telling me the truth, even if they're telling me anything right now. And <laughs> and really, I've I told the Colts around here that they should give me some award because I'm running probably the best misdirection for them here locally for the fan base of all time. But that, it, it is it, it is interesting that the dynamic that the, that the, maybe they weren't thrilled uh, initially as I expect them to be with Stroud. I think this is great if it does play out this way because that's who I loved at quarterback in this draft. But I just can't get that leadership quality or lack thereof out of my head. I, I guess what it comes down to is certainly talent. You can teach that, I would guess, but maybe the talent is something you can't teach in this case, right, if that's true? I think so. I mean, the last two years, you could make a very good argument. He was the best quarterback in college football. And to step in and replace Justin Fields, and you know, there was no guarantee he was going to be the starter in 2021 at Ohio State. He had to beat out some very good quarterbacks. So for him to come in and beat those four- and five-star guys out, um, I think that says a lot about, okay, he's – you know, you would think, like, hey, he was a four-star recruit. He was, like, the number four recruit in California. Uh, you know, maybe – uh, maybe, you know, he's not battled adversity. Well, he definitely has because he's, you know, he's had to challenge for those jobs because at Ohio State, absolutely nothing's handed to you. So I think the way that he has played uh, has really said a lot. You know, he was a team captain last year. He's on this one game in college. So I think his toughness shows up a lot. Um, I'm a fan, obviously. Um, and I, I do think that whereas Levis and Richardson have more potential, they have higher ceilings. Uh, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks with high ceilings not work out. And I think the beauty with Stroud is he's ready to go right now at 21 years old with without that projection. There's not anything you have to fix for him to be your guy. He's ready to roll. Yeah, I talked to Gardner Minshew last week on this show. And, of course, he's always ready to roll, as, as you well know. Um, yep. He is here, and I'm sure that's just a uh, just-in-case. And I've gone over a lot of these thoughts of, you know, if you went Levis, how long is it going to take for him to solidify? If you go Richardson, it's going to take a while. Hooker, it's going to be a while. C.J. Stroud is a guy you think if they end up being fortunate in number four and he is there, they draft him. Is he good to go and good to go immediately to start this season in your estimation for the Colts? He is, in my opinion. Uh, you know, the ability to process information um, is absolutely there. Everyone I've talked to at Ohio State absolutely loves him. Um, so, yeah, I think he, I think he's ready to rock and roll, especially if, you know, the Colts believe in this group of offensive linemen they have, if Bernard Raymond's going to, you know, develop into the, the player we saw at the end of last year. If Quentin Nelson gets back to, you know, being a Hall of Famer, I don't know what happened last year. If it, You know, with the injuries, hopefully he gets back to normal, but – I think it's an ascending roster with, with JT in the backfield, with Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce, wide receiver. You want to add at least one more wide receiver. I'm a huge Jelani Woods fan at tight end. So I think you've got a good young group there that someone like C.J. Stroud can step into that room and, and operate. You know, he's a, he's a distributor. You know, and I, I think when you have weapons like Pittman, Pierce, Woods, you know, who are all big guys who can separate, can do things vertically, uh, Stroud fits into that perfectly. So you think that Carolina at the top, you think that they just realized through, you know, vetting this process that Young was their guy. Did they initially like Stroud and just kind of had a change of heart here? How do you think that may be going down? I think they traded up knowing that they were going to like one of the two enough to draft them at one. And I, I think, you know, coming out of the combine where they met with both players, 
I imagine they were high-fiving each other saying, we're going to get one of these guys, and they're both really, really good. So we're okay with it. You know, it's, it is. It's a lot like when San Francisco traded up. They traded up with the idea of Mac Jones being their guy. And throughout the process, they came around to Trey Lance. So I think when you make a, a move that big, you're saying to yourself and to your, your franchise, we like enough guys you know, at this spot that we're going to have a choice between two really good players. And that's where the, the Panthers were at is they're both fantastic. And I think with, with CJ, you're, you're always looking at, you know, not great against pressure with Bryce, you know, he's an outlier in terms of size. So, you know, there are, there are weaknesses to both player. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think they chose the guy that they believe can, can lead their specific team. Hey Matt, last time you were on, we talked about the Colts being comfortable at number four and there being no buzz whatsoever about them trying to, to get up or do anything else. Uh, is that comfort level? Because they'll all tell you this after the fact, well, that's exactly how we had that going. We knew that they were going to do this. <laughs> right, they right. all end up saying that. Uh, is this true? I mean, do you, do you think that there's been enough intel between the Colts and Carolina and these other teams in front of them that they knew that they could be secure and feel comfortable in staying at four? I'll believe that in, in nine days if they don't trade up, but <laughs> I think that is that's the job of a Chris Ballard, you know, is to, to have those connections around the league. And obviously, you know, you, you got a division rival in Houston. They're probably not giving you a whole lot of information. I can tell you they're not giving me a whole lot of information. Yeah. So I don't imagine they're giving anyone a ton to work with. That's Nick Casario. That's how that goes. But you know, I, I think you, you want to have that relationship to talk to, to people and find out. And, you know, they're reading the mock drafts that we put out, trying to find a nugget to see if we know something they may, can maybe piece together. I will say it's interesting. The Texans at two. Nick Casario. The Cardinals at three, Monty Ossenfort. They were together in New England. So there are connections uh, at, at pick two and pick three where they might be able to lock some people out and just do what they want to do. And then the Colts are, are going to be, you know, left guessing, but they're really good options for Indy. There's not a bad pick for Indy, I don't believe, at pick four. It's uh, Matt Miller at NFL Draft Scout, ESPN, NFL Draft Analyst on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Again, his uh, mock draft is uh, coming out. We'll get to that again before we close this out. You mentioned a little bit earlier that uh, nobody you're talking to doesn't seem like that there's a great vibe about any teams trying to move up and get in front of the Colts, for example. At, at number three as of right now. Do you, you think that that may change in the next nine days or so? Absolutely. It, it could also change if the asking price changes. I think that's a big part of it is, you know, the, the, the Texans and Colts had the option to trade up to number one overall and didn't do it. And that's probably because the price was too high. Well, we'll see what the price is now. You know, does the price change? Are you a little bit more comfortable, you know, going up a smaller amount, you know, going, not having to go three first round picks. You comfortable maybe giving up a two and a four this year and a three next year to, to swap spots or to jump a spot. So I think that's what we could see is, the asking price might go down a little bit uh, just because there's not that urgency. Uh, you also mentioned you got a full draft that's coming out here as well. And if I look ahead at the Colts, they got a second round 35, third round at 79. We'll stay there right now. I'm assuming they, they look at corner because that is a desperate need for them right now. And I guess cornerback is, we'll start right there, quarterback is a fruitful position in the 2023 NFL draft, correct? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I think you can find, you know, obviously starter caliber players in round two. We've seen a, a nice, strong track record of that. So uh, if that's the direction they go, then, yeah, I think you're looking at good players. DJ Turner from Michigan, one of my favorite players in the draft outside of round one, ran the fastest 40 of any player at the combine. Great impressed man at the line of scrimmage. So if 
corner is that that option of okay, we we got our quarterback, now we got to get a corner. I, I think you could you could stack it and get two pretty good players that way. What about edge rusher if that's the path they would take? The second round, number thirty five overall. Yeah, I, I do think we're going to see we're going to see a late run on edge rushers. I think in round one, but. Um, you know, players like Keon White from Georgia Tech, Will McDonald from Iowa State, uh, Felix Anaduke Uzoma from Kansas State. You know, there are there are multiple guys where you look at them and you say, okay, yeah, this guy's a first rounder. But it's a little bit harder to find a team to grab them late first round. So I think those are the, the players you get excited about that could potentially slip through the cracks. It's, uh, Matt Miller with us. And finally, too, uh, wide receiver. That position, how deep is it in this particular draft? Because we both know and we'd recognize the Colts probably need to draft one in this draft as well. What do you think? I think it runs out of talent a little earlier than we're used to. You know, there's not the top, top end guys. There's not a Jamar Chase. You know, there's not like last year, we're not going to have three going to the top 15. But it's it's a good group through round two, round three. I think then it starts to dry up a little bit. And it is, I'll say this, it is one of the smallest wide receiver classes I can remember just in terms of sheer size. There's a lot of 5'9", 180. There's a lot of guys who are, you know, slot only type players, which could work well for the Colts because like we talked about you've got those two you know two mountains on the outside with Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman Jr. Again it's uh, Matt Miller his uh, draft mock draft for the NFL 2023 draft is about set to drop final thing regarding CJ Stroud a lot was made about the talent around him and maybe he wasn't as good and he benefited certainly from that talent I don't know a player anywhere in professional sports that doesn't benefit from talent around him but how much of a factor if at all was that for you given that cj stroud you have number four at the colts it, it doesn't bother me i think you know we can look at you know is it jerry rice or joe montana you know which who was the who was the great player maybe it was both you know and so i think it's funny we we will criticize college quarterbacks for oh, they too much talent around them and the minute they get in the nfl what do we want to do we want to surround them with talent so uh, the, the goal is that C.J. Stroud's going to have good players around him in the NFL as well. Uh, and so I, I think that's that's the key is, you know, make sure he has weapons, just like you want to make sure Josh Allen has weapons. You know, we, they can't all be Patrick Mahomes winning Super Bowls without 1,000-yard receivers. So I think as, a, as an organization, you want to make sure you keep him surrounded by really good players. We're all at some point doing this kind of a jackass, you know. I mean, we really are. That's just kind of how – I know me. I think about that all the time. I go home and look in the mirror and go, man, you just said some jackass stuff today come on man all the time <laughs> come on what are you talking about hey will levis before i let you go where does where does he end up going 11 to the titans is probably his floor i would think yeah. um I, I think the raiders at seven maybe but uh he's he's one player it's getting a little bit harder to figure out if things go the way we're talking about, what happens to him? So, Matt Miller, i got to let him go here. He's been fantastic. At NFL Draft Scout is where you're going to find him on Twitter. And your mock draft is coming out again when? Monday morning. Monday morning. I can't wait for that, too. By the way, I call stuff around here sports arousals. That's when sports things here locally get everybody excited. You just got everybody a sports arousal and got them excited by that <laughs> C.J. Stroud pick. Well done. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hey, Matt, it's always a pleasure, buddy. Have a great day, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Sounds great. Thank you. So, Matt Miller, ESPN. 
draft analysts. That make anybody happy right there? We'll see in terms of the next nine or so days where this ends up going. But right now, I'm assuming a lot of you are feeling pretty good. Let's take a break. We'll come back. 239-1070. Play off of that. The Tuesday edition of The Ride with JMV. Matt Miller, ESPN, and more to come. 239-1070 is that number. Back with you after this. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Look at all those ding-dongs. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Shout out to Matt Miller for being on the show. Very good stuff right there. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Jordan Reed of ESPN.com. Draft guy, 5 o'clock hour. Brian Adams, Soul Asylum tickets available, not by phoning. That's coming up later. Not today, but later on. But IMS.com, Carb Day 2023, Soul Asylum, and Brian Adams, David Perner of Soul Asylum, their longtime lead man, will join us coming up at 4.30 tomorrow. David Perner of Soul Asylum. And again, you've got Carb Day 2023, IMS.com to make sure you secure your tickets today. Promise it is going to be a blast. Speaking of a blast, last night I enjoyed watching the Reds. Anybody else? Reds fans? 8-1 over the Rays? The, I'll tell you what, the starting nine, and I was talking about this with my friend Greg the other day too, who's also a big Reds fan. I mean, their everyday dudes can play. Actually, they've been enjoyable for me to watch. I should say they're everyday eight. Guess you'd have to factor in the DH if you want to from a hitting standpoint. But these guys have been fun to watch so far for the most part. Last night was one of those nights, 8-1, with that decision over the Rays. Cubs easily. Tucker Barnhart was on the show yesterday. That podcast, 107.5thefan.com. A lot of things there. And the Cubs 10-1 over the hapless Oakland Athletics uh, last night as well. All right, meantime, quick break, and welcome back. As I mentioned, Jordan Reed in the 5 o'clock hour. But college basketball fans, basketball fans, whether or not you like Purdue, love Purdue, you will not want to miss this. Head coach Matt Painter set to join us. Other side next. The Ride with JMV. Let me have a Diablo sandwich, a Dr. Pepper, make it fast. I'm going to damn hurry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Mitch asked me this. Any Rick Venturi pre-draft. Rick Venturi joins us pre-draft next week. Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network pre-draft next week, too. DeForest Buckner coming up on Thursday. Thursday is going to be on the road. Main event in Fishers. That is a tavern tour stop with our betting analyst Brent Halverson and DeForest Buckner of the Colts will join us on the show coming up Thursday as well. Again, if you missed it, Matt Miller, ESPN NFL draft analyst. That's a little bit earlier. The podcast 107.5thefan.com. Meantime, Jordan Reed in the 5 o'clock hour does a little bit of the same for ESPN. We'll get you dialed in even more on what has been a bit of a twist 
guests regarding what's going to happen at the top of this year's, at least what people expect to happen at the top of this year's draft. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, he is the longtime head coach of the Purdue Boilermaker basketball team with some news dropping on that. We'll get to earlier today as well. Matt Painter joins us now. Hey, Matt, thank you for the time. How are you? And how have things gone since such an abrupt ending to the season? Good. Just trying to, you know, like evaluate things. I think anytime at the end of the season, especially it was such a disappointing finish for us. Like our guys did a lot of really good things. And obviously Zach being national player of the year, um, had a lot of guys really step up and it, it was just frustrating for them probably more than anybody, just how we kind of slowly kept winning some games, but we also were like from a confidence standpoint, just trying to boost our confidence and, and, and feel good about ourselves. But when we've got into these games in the NCAA tournament and the high turnover games, like, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta take care of the basketball and give yourself a chance, especially when you have a player like Zach Eady and you have a team that was such a good rebounding team. We're one of the best rebounding teams in the country, but if you you know, you turn the basketball over, you know, you don't have a chance to rebound the basketball. You know, you obviously you want shots to go in, but it's like who are you when shots don't go in? Can you still grind it out and win? And we, that's what we had to be able to do in those situations. But just gotta make some subtle changes and gotta be better in terms of decision making, gotta be better in terms of really just making open shots. Like we we, we had a lot of open shots this year that we didn't consider consistently knocked down and I feel good about our personnel and feel good about what we have coming to, to hopefully make some adjustments there but you got to be able to score 60 points in the NCAA tournament game from a defensive standpoint like you're you know you're holding them right there under 60 at the end you foul a couple times and they get over that point but you, you got to be better offensively like when we made that run to the Elite Eight like we scored 99 points against Tennessee to go to the Elite Eight like you got to be able to score it we need we have really done a good job in the last six seven years Years, we've been a top five seater better and we've done a good job of getting ourselves in these positions now it's been the same team that's really beaten us in like smaller quicker guards but yet if you form things to get into the big 10 that recipe and those teams would really really struggle so you're working towards getting in those positions with a certain type of team, but yet when you get into the NCAA tournament, there's a particular matchup that's really caused you. Well, it starts with turning the ball over. Like, I don't care who you play and their size and what they do, you can't turn the basketball over. And we've just had that those two games against St. Peter's, and it's not really been anything that they're doing. It's been those unforced errors. Both teams pressed us to a degree. We really had very, very few turnovers against it, but it was more in the half court or at the end of plays. So just working towards that, you know, we obviously have some good guards that are returning that we feel good about making that kind of jump. But um, no, it's it, it's frustrating. It's uh, at times humiliating because we've worked so hard, man. Our staff's worked hard. We've worked hard. And you just want it for your fans and you just want it for your players to get in that kind of position and then make a deep run in the tournament and try to get to a Final Four. But like as a competitor, like you just dust it off. You just, you know, it, it, it's hard. It's tough. But hey, man, you got to move on and like you got to learn from it. And, and use it as motivation, and that's what we plan on doing. He is I'm Matt Painter, the head coach of the Boilermakers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. You have moved on. Have you gone back to watch the tape against Fairleigh Dickinson? I have not. 
I have not. Are we are we trash no, I, are we trashing that forever? Will you ever go back? And no, watch no, it? no, no. I, I I just have a tough time with that last game every season. Like you know, that's what you work towards. So like when people say stuff or do stuff, they have no idea. Yeah. You know, you give your you know you got people in your family that sacrifice for you. you give everything for it. Your staff gives everything for it. The families of your players, like you know, we collectively together go on that journey, and we had a great journey. We just had a terrible ending to it. But I, I definitely will watch it. I definitely obviously have watched things before. Now I've studied the numbers and the analytics of the people that have beat us here and how it's kind of the same team and kind of the same trends that are happening. And that's what like people don't understand. Like you're doing everything in your power to stop that from happening again, just like I'm trying to do it right now. But you, you don't want to lose the momentum you've gained and enhance it. Like you'll get people that talk like you want to trade out two non-conference wins for two tournament wins or two, two wins in the Big Ten for two like or four tournament wins. Like it's not the way it is. We're not trading baseball cards. It is competition and there's another team there. But like no, we've always studied what's worked for us. We've always studied some things that haven't worked as much, and then we've always tried to make those subtle adjustments to, tr- uh, to really help our cause. Hey, Matt, this is <laughs> nothing against uh, the, the personnel that, that you have or have had, but in, in understanding beyond the stuff that, that your team you know does to itself in the turnover category, uh, is there anything right. that you're, you're thinking about uh, moving forward and changing regarding the approach? Yeah, don't turn it over. That's a good. That's a hell of a plan, right there, right there. Yeah, yeah. You know, you lose an NFL playoff game, and your quarterback throws four turnovers, has four interceptions. Like, what does the game look like if you don't have the four interceptions? Well, we don't know because we had four interceptions. You can't undo those four interceptions. Like against St. Peter's, we have 16, 17 turnovers. Against these guys in a possession game, you have 16, 17 turnovers. So it's not a high possession game sometimes in the NCAA tournament. Like it's when you have high volume threes and you make a low percentage and then you have high turnovers, you're just putting yourself in a position where your defense has to be elite if the other team is making it. Like, neither team was that good against us offensively, and they beat us. And we had to be able to grind those out, but we had to have more opportunities, you know, at the rim. So you just work on the efficiency of running offense. Like, it's not pushing a button. The thing that we have done is that we've really gotten the right guy in our program, someone who values education, someone who understands how to play, someone that wants to compete for a championship, where we've been shortchanged a little bit that we really tried to help our cause last year. We didn't quite get there. Is an athleticism and a quickness. That's what we need more of and that's what we were short of in that game we still have quality players but we do need more athleticism which I feel is coming with Miles Colvin which Cam Heidi is sitting out um, we signed Lance Jones from Southern Illinois he was on the all defensive team two years there he was an all conference player there he's going to give us that other ball handler too that can is a combo that can play the one and the two but also gives us someone that can really really defend so our inability sometimes to contain the dribble and also beat people off the dribble by multiple people, I think that's really going to help us in those areas. And then just the, uh, you know, the improvement, you know, Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith, anytime you see that Trey Kaufman ran, you see those guys that are freshmen that now move to their sophomore year, they normally make a big jump. And I I would think those three guys from their freshman to their sophomore year is going to make a big jump. Um, I love our front line. Um, I love our backcourt. You know, I love everything about it. We we just have to be better, you know, and and be more efficient. And then if that's the case in 
and we get into those situations again, that's how we were able to win games during the year. Like we, we were not perfect throughout the year, even though we won our league by three games, but we grinded out a lot of close games and won it. And that's what you've got to be able to do. But you'd rather not be in that position and, and just be more efficient on both ends of the court. So you're in a better position, you know, you know, heading into the, the last three, four minutes of the game. Matt Painter joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So we do hear today that Zach Eady has declared for the NBA draft and will go through the process in search of information. Well, sure. You know, he's still, you know, trying to gather a lot of facts and kind of figure out where he stands with everything. You know, I just want him to do what's best for him. I, I think a lot of people always look at it like the head coach is just trying to convince you to come back. And, you know, I look at it like I wish I was in his position. And, you know, I just want, you know, for him to make the best decision for himself, gather all the facts and make that decision and then support him in whatever he does. If he decides to go to the NBA, support him. If he comes back to Purdue, support him. Like just, just continue to help your players, continue to want what's best for them. You know, Dean Smith had a great line that he would always talk about once practice starts, we're going to do everything for North Carolina basketball. You know, and, and that's our focus. And it's all about the team, no matter who's on our team. And then right as the season's over, we're going to do everything in our power until the season begins for that individual. And then that includes, you know, what their draft status is and where they are. And you, you do everything that you can to kind of take some weaknesses and make them into strengths or enhance their strengths um, with that. But I think it's a great model to really use. And, like, be happy for your, you know, your players. Like, Brandon Newman is transferring for us. You know, I'm, I'm happy for him. He got his degree from Purdue. He hung in there. He battled. He fought. Um, he wants a, a more enhanced role. There's nothing wrong with that. And I've been the person when, you know, things go wrong, like and someone kind of, like, leaves and takes off. Like, I, I've been – you know, on those guys because I don't think you should run from adversity. Like, that's not the case here with Brandon. Like, he didn't run from adversity. He stayed and he fought and he won a Big Ten championship and he won a tournament championship and he's been in the Sweet 16 and he's got his degree from Purdue. And, uh, you know, he was up in that office every day battling and trying and trying to get it figured out and he wants more of a role. And um, I respect that. And uh, so I want what's best for him, too. It's a, so I think that's, yeah. that gets lost a lot. It gets lost that just, you know, coaches are just thinking about themselves or their own school. I'll be honest with you. I, the the whole transfer portal thing gets me lost. Um, and, and I know that from a, a fan standpoint, fans dig it because it's it's like free agency. And that's one thing that I've noticed doing this job, Matt, is that there may even be more love for, you know, free agency and, you know, movement, endless movement, than there is sometimes for the right. games themselves where we are now. And it, yeah. it just seems like that this... How much does this muddy cloud up, you know, your your vision when you have to deal with stuff like yeah. this year after year? Yeah, well, we've taken two transfers in three years, so like we're we're at the bottom of that the totem pole. What I don't like um, about it was what gets the you know you got to have purpose in life, and you got to have purpose in this situation because not everybody has these opportunities that these young men and women have, and you want to you know you want to put parameters and rules in place that give them a better chance to be successful in life more than anything. So everybody's not a pro. I don't mean to hurt people's feelings, but like ninety eight ninety nine percent of the players across the board aren't going to play professional basketball. So you have to set up guidelines. When I thought our previous president of the NCAA really did a great job of in the last 10 years, he improved the graduation rates 
men's basketball, but he drastically improved and helped improve and set the parameters for people of color and their graduation rates improving drastically. And so now we're going to put in the one-time transfer, which has become the two-time transfer, the three-time transfer. And now what is that going to do for graduation rates? Well, we don't have enough data yet because this portal just started uh, with the one-time transfer a couple years ago. And But it's going to lessen the graduation rates. And, and that's not you know, being purposeful. And I, I don't like, like right away, your question talked about like the fans like free agency. Yeah. Like, let's don't lose our purpose. We're trying to take an opportunity for someone to play basketball and get an education to better their lives and have a great family and learn a lot through the way, because you can learn a lot through sport. And, and, and now have something better for their, you know, for themselves, but also their family because of this opportunity. Well, if you're constantly changing and doing these things and people say, Hey, you know, just get with it. Well, I I don't want to get with it. It, It's somebody's life. It's somebody's future. Like if you're born into situations of education, like my whole family went to college, you know, you're like, you're born into situations. Like my grandfather's a doctor. My dad's an attorney. Like if, if I follow my face, I think we got the resources to pick up the pieces, but what about somebody from a single parent home what about somebody has a family that's never went to college and all of a sudden he's just chasing you know trying to play shortstop and lead off and then all of a sudden he's you know been at three or four different schools and then he doesn't get his degree and he doesn't make it as a pro and now did this situation you know put him in a better position that's all we want that's all I want I I just want guys to be able to have great opportunities and get a great education because you know a vast majority of them aren't professional basketball players and then I think that gets lost a little bit like in our purpose and what we're doing it it just does and so now when you look at the transfer portal and you look at these guys jumping in or whatever and if you can't dribble with your left hand at Purdue then you can't dribble with your left hand at another school like you're not going to change who you are and so like now when you go other places you have like hey how do you know really what's going on well you got somebody on the phone telling you things and they got seven scholarships they don't know what's going on like they're going to sign you and they still have six so how can they tell you about your role this isn't Purdue where you're adding one guy in the spring two years in a row there are schools out there that are signing six seven eight guys three years in a row because they can't keep people you know if you're going to grow people you got to be able to keep people and so I understand about transfers and like I think there's positive transfers but just allowing a situation for people to jump all over the place and I don't think from the masses and the numbers that's going to help from graduation rates and then going forward like like what are we teaching them they're playing for four or five AAU teams they played for one high school and then one prep school and then back to their high school and now they play for three or four colleges what does it look like when they're 24 years old after doing that for 10 years, you know, and playing on multiple teams across the board in our landscape, you know, I, are they just going to get a job and then just change their job and then change the next job and change that job and keep like, yeah, the millennials, that's what more or less that they do. Well, we, in, in our landscape, like, I don't care, but the world doesn't care if you can, you know, make a step back jumper. They just don't care. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, you know, we all got to go out into the workplace. Well, we're, we're sitting here, and that's what we do. Like, we, we help guys out. Like, they come in here, we deal with adversity, we grow from it, like, we become a family for them. And now if this family keeps splitting every nine months, 
like who gets lost? Like I don't get lost in my position. I'm 52. Like I don't get lost in it. Like I've already went through what they've went through. I've already had Gene Cady and Bruce Weber and these guys that have helped me. Now it's my time to help them. I just want the avenue and the platform to be able to do it. And I can hear it Purdue. Like I have that. And we do have that because we have retention, but it's going to affect us a little bit more at some point. It's going to come at some point, but the other people and they talk about hey fans like free agency and fans like this who cares what they like like we're trying to build young people and that's our future the future is always your young people and so now we're trying to build them and help them so now they can run things when it's their turn and they can get what they want outside of an all-conference plaque like you know it it, you can't let people always do what they want to do you just can't you got to you got to install in them so they do what's best for them and they do what's best for their family. That's that's the mindset you have to set. If you just let someone who's 18, 19, 20 years old do whatever they want, like, boy, I'm glad somebody didn't let me do it. Because I <laughs> promise you I would not be on this this call with you. I promise you that one. And then so and everybody yeah. from my hometown are nodding their heads that they're listening, all four of them that are listening. So, <laughs> Yeah. And, and so you, you see my yes. point? Like, you see where we're going? I do. Like, I don't want to, like, yeah. and people look at it like you're just being greedy. Like, no, I'm, I'm not being greedy. Like, I, I want what's best for other people. Like, I want what's best for our people and our young people that are in this game. And so when they look at these things and say, like, hey, man, like, this is a cool thing. This is a good thing. A cool thing for whose future? Like, and I, and I understand if someone goes to a school and they don't get to play, like, yeah, you went to college to play. Like, go somewhere else so you can play. I got that. But you got guys leaving that are in good situations because they're just leaving to be leaving. It's change. Like, you've got to be able to understand when you should change. You just do in life about a lot of things, right? You just got to understand that. But you can't change for the sake of change. And that's all we're doing. You know, we have a very individualistic setup in our basketball world. We just do. It's very individualistic. You know, JMB's ranked 39th. Matt Painter's ranked 42nd. Well, who says? And if the guy walked in with the button down, that's evaluating. Like, well, well, JMB's a four-star. Matt Painter's a five-star. If I showed you the cat that walked in that evaluated him, you'd be like, yeah, well, you all you guys keep calling him a four-star and a five-star because of one person's opinion. It doesn't matter. Like, we, we allow all this bias and we allow all this individual stuff. Well, the last time I checked, whether you're in high school, college, or the NBA, it is a team sport. And the guys that can do that and, and play collectively with other people and understand and play winning basketball, they're the guys that are going to help you. Those are the guys that are going to be successful. But we, we have set these parameters where you're like, well, this sport can leave early and that sport can leave early. And, well, basketball's got to leave early. And we all got to be consistent. And we lose the purpose of what is best for young people. And, and that's all. I, I, I don't like education being devalued. And if you're allowed to transfer all over the place, it doesn't mean some people still can't get their degree because they can. But is it is it enhancing the value of education across the board with the numbers? No, it's not. Is it devaluing education? Yes, and I don't like that. I don't like that for anybody. 
and I'll fight that all day long. And you, you've got to stand up for what's right. We need better leadership from the NCAA. We need better leadership across the board. And, and we got to help young people and do what's right for them. So Matt Painter, the head coach of the Boilermakers, before I let you go, my fear is this, and I've stated this, and I don't know where we are. I do want your opinion of it. My fear is that not too soon down the road that the transfer portal is going to mean more in college basketball than the recruitment of an incoming freshman. How close are we to that? Are we there? Uh, we're, we're working towards that. And like we're, we're really working towards because the, the setup that they've done with everything is, is really hurting low to mid-major basketball. Now, you'll see somebody like Florida Atlantic get in there and have success. I'm not saying that from a basketball standpoint. Sure. Like, that's great. Like, Dusty May, like what he did in coaching and those guys are good players and putting it together. I'm, I'm not talking on that behalf. I'm just talking like, now why should somebody low to mid-major go and recruit a high school kid? Because if he plays well, he just leaves so why should they they should just jump that step and that's what they're starting to do and that's what some of them are just flat out doing why should we put our resources there when we're not going to be able to keep them if they don't play they're going to leave and if they do play they're going to leave so why not just skip that step go right to the bucket and just take guys that have already been at one school because the guys that have been already at one school are now less likely to leave going to their second school. Now, are they still leaving and going to their third school? Yes, they are, but they're less likely. So they've skipped that step, and now they really are jumping in on guys that have been at their third school because they know they're probably not going to be able to get to their fourth school because their clock's going to run out. And so, like, now we're not going to recruit high school kids as much. Like, that's the – that's it. Like I, I, it doesn't. And so when you hear those things that are so obvious and so clear, and and, and still we've we've implemented this. See, anytime you like you have legislation or you have new rules or things are happening, I always think the people that install these rules should be able to give you a game plan of how to navigate in these different waters. So I always ask those questions in those meetings. I said, can you give us a template of like how a low to mid-major school should operate in these waters? And I'm yet to, to, to get real like direct feedback or a game plan or anybody doing that, you know, from the national office. It, like, it seems like everything's, everything's kind of flying by the seat of its pants right now. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, yeah. It's, it's, they're out in a pond like, well, you guys adjust and, you know, you guys are resilient and you guys will figure it out and you guys will learn. Well, what if some guy's an assistant for 20 years and he gets a head coaching job in this mess and now he's got to figure it out and he's never had to navigate those waters and he just, oh, three, four years he loses. He keeps losing guys in the spring and then he doesn't, you know, he gets fired. Then he never gets a head coaching job. Like, like what happens to him? But also what happens to all those kids that are in high school that are now not getting recruited like what should they do like and so what's happening you're seeing some trickle down and you're seeing some more guys like go d2 and you're seeing more guys at lower levels like get in there well now what you're seeing is a lot of the d1s are now recruiting the d2s because now they've got them at their second school and once again they've jumped that step and they should jump that step because they've been put in a tough spot, they only have so many resources financially to go out and recruit. And now they can sit there and they go, well, we got to save our days for the spring so we can travel around and see people that are leaving schools or whatever because this is our best avenue to get a good player. This is our best avenue to, to put a team together and then just try to grow from there. So, um, it, yeah, it's, it's really difficult and it, it's really hard, but you're still going to see some people have success through it. Like, I don't care what you do. You're going to play a game. 
you know, one team's going to win, one team's going to lose. Like, you're going to still see people have success, and then people turn around and say, see, it's okay. But if you're not there seeing them how they make the sausage and how they go through things, you know, it's, it's, it's really difficult. Um, uh, to maneuver. Hey, Matt, I've always said this. I, I love basketball. Basketball has me. Basketball has me regardless. It's never, you know, I'm never going to be turned away from it. But again, as you move forward, other people may not, you know, in, in enjoy it as much as I do. And it just kind of seems like the combination, and it's great, NIL and Transfer Portal, all that, this combination is just leading us down a lack of guardrail path to where you, you don't really know where you're going, but your belief is it's probably not going to be great. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true. I, I, I think, you know, we, we, we have a new president with the NCAA. Um, I, I, I'm, I've yet to hear him speak um, to our group. Maybe I'm so too old. We were, maybe I'm just too old. I mean, I, maybe that's it. No, I, I think you're right. Like, I'm, I'm interested to hear, like, what his, you know, like, his passion is, his mission is. I, I know this. We've, we've had some guys, you know, and it's – it's unfortunate, but we've had some some situations in college basketball where, where where guys have crossed the line, you know, here the past five six years, and they've been caught red-handed, and things have happened, and 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 so like the compliance and how that's structured through the NCAA, like. You know, you're, it's not about going after those people as much as it is rewarding the people out there that are doing what they're supposed to. Yeah. And when, when you don't do those things and you don't have a system, you know, what what's when, when you have a system like you got to reward the people that do what they're supposed to. And then you got it from a compliance standpoint that, you know, there, there just has to be consequences for people that don't like that's everything. Right. Yep. I mean, that's everything. That's, that's a corporation. Um, that's just law and society right there in a nutshell. Well, we, we don't have that. We don't have that. We, we have people that are out there that, that aren't doing things the, the right way. And for whatever reason, we don't have a system that can hold them accountable. But yet this system keeps going on and on. I've been I've only done it for 30 years, but like it's it doesn't work. But yet we keep doing the same things then we'll bring in other like groups or whatever they call that are supposed to make this you know quicker and faster and more efficient and kind of getting to the point like it's pretty obvious like it's, it's not hard to figure out like the people in our business that don't do things the right way and I, I just don't understand how we can't hold those people accountable and we haven't held those people accountable they, they continue to get more opportunities and growing and getting better situations or staying in their position for long periods of time while they go through you know this whole thing with the NCAA, and I'm I'm all for due process, and everybody everybody deserves due process. But like, it, it's very frustrating. It is very frustrating for coaches out there um, to, just to have trust with everything that has happened through the years. Are, are you um are you outspoken when you guys all get together and and have meeting and such? Are you outspoken? Yeah. Regarding this, I'm very, yeah, I say the same things to you that I say to them. Because I, I just um. 
God. Now, we've talked about this a lot, too, and it just it, it seems like that, um, I don't know, cooler heads prevail. Um, you know, smarts real good prevail. I, I mean, that sounds Southern Indiana of me right there, but I, it just it, it seems like that there is an answer down the road if you're willing to look a little bit further forward. It just kind of, as I mentioned, it seems like they're flying by the seat of their plans. You are yeah. one of, we are 100% correct. If, if we want to take a step back yeah. and really open things up and, and have policies and procedures that are the best, a lot of what they're doing, and I don't blame them for what they're doing from the hole that they're in, but the NCAA is just staying out of the courts. That's all they're doing. It's fear of litigation. They're spending so much money. So anything that's restrictive towards a student athlete, they're going to undo. And that's what they're doing here in the portal. That's what they're doing with all the transfers. That's what they're doing with the official visits. They're going to do that with everything because they want to try to eliminate and minimize the millions of dollars they're spending to stay out of the courts and the money that they're spending while they're in the courts. So I understand the position that they're in, but their decision-making process and how they got to that point, they're the reason that they're in that position. And now here we are fighting for our student-athletes and fighting for the game, and they got to make these kind of moves and it just puts everything in a pickle well what about some of those individuals in their future like we're we're trying to fight so it's you know we're doing what's best for them we don't want to devalue education like we don't want to like let everybody just move and move and move and like there's nothing wrong with transferring but when you're transferring and everybody's playing in three four five schools that wasn't the purpose of it it absolutely wasn't the purpose. No doubt from name, image, and likeness. Like name, image, and likeness wasn't from a recruiting standpoint, people being offered large sums of money. No, it was supposed to be able to use your name, image, and likeness right as you get to campus so then you can make that money. That's the purpose. We're not trying to stop somebody from making money. But now you go through the recruiting spot, and, and now who, who benefits? Who benefits from name, image, and likeness? The people with the most money. Like that, like that, that isn't it. So you can't sign a player because you don't have X amount of dollars. Well, that's what the rule wasn't put in for that. But yet that's what's happening. And we're, we're not doing anything about it. Like, I, at least on the surface, I, you know, they're not doing anything about it. They're not discussing it. They're not trying to get to it. Like, like there's a lot of, um, you know, politicians that really push for that. But why can't those politicians come into a room and speak with basketball coaches and basketball players and sit down and, and really just, you know, chop it up so they know everything so we can do what's best for them? We're not trying to take that away. We're trying to enhance that and help that, but we didn't need it in the recruiting space. Well, it's smack dab in the recruiting space. So who benefits the most from it? Well, well, schools with the most money. And, and that's that wasn't the intent, but yet here we are and we have this system and we just point the finger and say, well, we don't have anything, you know, and we don't have any support. We don't have anybody coming to the table to help us. Well, Leadership starts at the top. Last time I checked, like you get beat in the tournament, like it's the head coach's fault. Like it's my fault. We have struggled in the NCAA tournament. It is my fault. It's not anybody else's fault. But when you get to the national level, well, whose fault is it? Like, I don't see anybody raising their hands. Like we need some leadership and we need to do what's best for our student athletes in all of college basketball 
to help them, not necessarily the 1%. Matt Painter joins us. We know as of today that Zach Eady is going to get that information as far as declaring for the NBA draft is concerned. But also there have been some interesting hoops you've had to jump through regarding NIL money for Zach, being that he's from Canada. How is that working? Yeah, well, we're working towards uh, him trying to help that, obviously, being from Canada and being on a student visa. So we're working on him getting a different visa um, because he was National Player of the Year. So a little bit different. Uh, he's put himself in a different box, but um, it's something um, in Canada that you can do when you have reached that kind of a status where you can have a different visa. So we're still in the process of that. We haven't uh, gotten that yet, but that will definitely help him be able to do his work here instead of having to go to, back home to Toronto to be able to do his work. So, yeah, it's different. There's no doubt he's put himself in a different position. And um, we've kept things the same for everybody that comes in um, from an initial standpoint. And then while you're here, you can grow it here um, through our Boilermaker Marketplace, um, through our collective, and then different things like that. But we do it through our collective. We do it through charities, which I think was a great idea by our administration. They've really done a great job. We have a young man named Jack Gallagher, who's our liaison, who's done a fabulous job with our name, image, and likeness. And I really like it. I really like what it's been able to do, um, but we've also kept it out of the recruiting space, which I think is the right thing to do, so I don't get in the bidding wars. You know, if somebody's looking for the highest number, then Purdue's not your spot. You know, you, you can't forget about the number at the end of the day, and that's what Purdue's going to do for you and the education you're going to get from Purdue. That number is going to be greater, and you got to keep that in perspective, and I'm not trying to get people to stay away um, from entertaining that and, and, and doing name, image, and likeness because they rightfully should, but they also needs to keep in perspective that they're going to live for 60 more years and, and that, that 60 years is more important in the next six months matt painter the head coach of the boilermakers on the andy moore automotive group hotline man i can't thank you enough i always enjoy the conversation i just sit back and and listen and i know the folks out there do as well stay in touch and we'll get you back on when we uh solidify things a little bit further down the road and see how you're doing gotcha. going into the summertime matt i appreciate you all right, thanks, man. You got a Matt Painter right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. There is a lot to talk about, and I mean a lot to talk about. Get back to you and more Matt Painter podcast going up very quickly if you missed any of it, 107.5thefan.com. Back with you next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. No, no, not yet. Not until me and Harvey get the rules straightened out. Rules? And a knife fight? No rules. Well, if there ain't going to be any rules, let's get the fight started. Someone count one, two, three, go. One, two, three, go. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, welcome back. Uh, Matt Painter, if you missed that, if you hear about it from somebody else, if you're a Boilermaker fan or not, if you agree or disagree, it makes no difference whatsoever. Just check it out if you missed it, 107.5thefan.com. Matt Painter for a lengthy time right there who had... Uh, um, well, a lot. <laughs> There's a lot. Like Eric writes this. He's spitting some fire to the institutions that just can't stop the greed. There was a lot there. There was. Um, 
And I always enjoy it, too. I always enjoy the openness. And regardless of, again, I, if you if you disagree, like I'll give you a great example. There are some Boilermaker fans inside the lounge here um, that disagree with the tack that he's taking here. Now, that's okay. Doesn't matter. But the conversation, at least from somebody that clearly uh, cares about it as much as he does, is there, and that's going to be open for your interpretation, however you believe it to be. And there, somebody's asking me, so do you think that he he went lengthy and that hard uh, hoping that the NCAA would be listening to it. I, I, I would agree he wants people to hear that. Because if you go back, we spent very little time. And again, regarding Zach Eady, we all knew that that was going to happen. I mean, anybody now basically will give it a shot to try to test what their value might be at the professional level. That's just part of what you're doing. So we didn't spend too much time on that. I did find it interesting. I did not know what they're trying to do beyond, I think it's called the Boilermaker Alliance. And I know he had told me that earlier in the year, but I didn't know what they were trying to do with uh, NIL in mind past that. But Boilermaker fans or not, if you missed any of it, the podcast is going to be up at 1075thefan.com. That's from Damon. That was quite an interview with Matt Painter. I don't think you talked in about 10 minutes. I don't think I did. And you know what? That makes this show better. And I realized that. Again, understand that it's best if you know and you understand what you don't know. So I just sit back and let somebody else, in this case, that knows much more of anything than I do, go at it. Uh, Much more of him is much better than much more of me. We can get back, and we will with Jordan Reed coming up after 5 o'clock anyway. Get back to the NFL draft and the Colts and all these interesting twists. But, um, yeah, I thought I thought that that was pretty damn interesting, no matter how you feel about it. If you believe in what he has to say or if you believe that it came across, as some of you are telling me, as whiny and not – you know, going down the path in which you need to go down in this era of college basketball to be successful. Whatever. Make that determination on your own, but if you missed any of it, be sure to give yourself an opportunity to listen. And give yourself some time, too, because it was lengthy. But doesn't make it any less as interesting to me. And a lot of this stuff, I mean, a lot of this stuff is lost, certainly on me. And I know it's lost on you. And this is something that that is universal in college basketball. Listen, I love basketball. I do. They're always going to have me. I don't know whether or not some of this stuff is turning you off as a fan or if... You know, as I mentioned to him, and obviously he bristled at it when I said that, you know, there are a lot of fans out there that dig the free agency aspect of this. And from sitting here as much as I do, I know that to be correct. You like almost as much as the games themselves, the free agency, the off the field, off the court storylines. 
You like that almost as much as you do the games themselves. That's just where we are right now. Well, we'll see. I'd asked that question a couple of different times. Somebody had reminded me about the question I'd asked. This is maybe going back three or so weeks ago on the show regarding the value of recruiting out of high school and into college compared to the value of making sure you are sound in terms of the transfer portal. You know, what is what is going to be more valuable further down the road? That was a really good aspect of it, too. And getting it from a coaching standpoint, exactly what was necessary. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. Some responses if you want to go there, JMV1070 on Twitter. And again, you can hear it again, 1075thefan.com. Matt Painter, Boilermaker head coach, again, joined us a little bit earlier. So did Matt Miller, NFL draft expert from ESPN. Listen, don't get it completely twisted. This happens each and every year. It happens each and every year. This is normal operational procedure in terms of all these tidbits that come out before the draft. However, this does seem a little bit different. The fact that it was Schefter that mentioned it yesterday. The fact that the Vegas odds have taken a plunge in terms of of C.J. Stroud, and it seems like if you're pro C.J. Stroud being a Colts quarterback for the long-term future, it has taken a turn for the better. I'll explain that coming up on the other side. Again, the Tuesday edition of the show tomorrow, Chad Buchanan, general manager of the Pacers, and um, David Perner. David Perner is going to be a part of Carb Day, the lead singer of Soul Asylum. David Perner is going to join us on the show coming up tomorrow as well. Tavern Tour Stop on Thursday, and DeForest Buckner joins us on the show coming up on Thursday as well. Tavern Tour Stop is going to be at the main event in Fishers with our betting analyst, Brent Halverson. Again, that's on Thursday. The Tavern Tour Stop for April is at the main event in Fishers. Again, coming up on Thursday. Back inside the lounge via YouTube Live, the stream, the app, HD Radio and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, 7 o'clock tonight, trackside with Kevin and Kevin coming off the Long Beach race. Kyle Kirkwood, the winners. We get closer and closer to the month of May. They got Barber coming up, what, the weekend after this? And then you've got the uh, Grand Prix. At an IMS, and then you've got the greatest spectacle in racing later on in the month. I mentioned David Perner of Soul Asylum, who's going to be a part of Carb Day and that party with Brian Adams. You got David Perner in Soul Asylum. David Perner joins us on the show coming up tomorrow. A lot of direction to go here. I got a lot to get to, and I will here at JMV 1070. 239 1070. If you guys want to jump on the board, we can certainly do that coming up in just a minute as well. Uh, JMV, I heard Matt Miller talking a little bit earlier about the opportunity the Colts are going to have at number four with C.J. Stroud. Do you think if he's available there, they take him? I, I know that I would. I know that that's what I would want. That seems like quite a gift to me. I would ask you this because I brought this up a little bit earlier, too. Does it concern you at all that if indeed Houston needs a quarterback – 
and they decide to go ahead and pass on Stroud. If Bryce Young is number one overall to Carolina, if they decide to pass on Stroud, is that concerning? They have Davis Mills, so you're going to go ahead and wait? That concerning at all? Because when I bring up C.J. Stroud, it's from a standpoint of a game that I was really impressed on. Is that a red flag? How about all these other so-called red flags? The twist that's happened in the past 24 hours is that evidently Adam Schefter said yesterday on NFL Live, if Bryce Young goes number one overall, which everybody's certain that he is going to as of right now to Carolina, that there will not be another quarterback taken until selection number four. And Matt Miller was on a little bit early and had talked about that everybody that he had talked about within striking distance of maybe potentially trading up didn't seem like as of right now that they had any interest. Now, obviously, things could still change, evolve, however you want to put it. But if Houston bypasses Stroud here, for example, clearly needing a quarterback, not a red flag for you? That concern you whatsoever? Or even more so, what if the Colts are sold on somebody else and it's not Stroud? What if everybody is saying right now regarding Stroud is true? That he is kind of tumbling down that first round of the draft board. You know, it's funny. I've listened to a couple of the explanations. One is what I have brought up in the past, and it's the leadership quality. Which, I listen, I agree with you. Whatever. Uh, the other one is, and I think I also feel the same way about it, is a lack of being easy to coach. Anybody buy that one? So, uh, what, Ryan Day's telling everybody, hey, this guy's incredibly talented, but, man, he is difficult as hell to coach. isn't that stuff that you should be able to figure out? Like, to me, when he said, I'm a ball placement specialist, I look for that. I look for the arm. I look for the escapability. I look for decision-making. If you want to turn somebody into leadership quality, it can start with you, right? Can it not start with you? Is that something that can't be created? Is that not something that you can expect to be created? Can you not mature into being more coachable? And I suggest that even if there is a shred of accuracy to either one. Is that not something you can coach, you can teach? Isn't that your job to a degree? Didn't they just hire a head coach that's supposed to be great with any form of quarterback at all, no matter what? Movement, escapability, arm strength, pocket passer. Right? I mean, why can't these other things, which many would suggest would be the reason why he's sliding, why can't that be taught within your organization? 
Do you not have trust in Shane Steichen? I mean, everybody else seems to have trust in Shane Steichen to get out of whatever is brought in. It would seem to me that looking at that level of talent and bypassing that, that seems like some dangerous territory. All right, so if you take it, right, if you take it and you're wrong, all right, you're going to get canned. You're going to get whacked at some point. But you're also going to get whacked at some point if you don't take it and they turn into a star. And they're not anything like what has been explained. And again, I know that you go with your gut, you go with the feeling, you go with and trust what you have seen. Seems like that some of that that Stroud tape would pop more than being worried about being difficult to coach and not being a leader yet. Just a thought. Do they say the same thing about Will Levis? Will Levis is supposed to be cocky. Is that different? Cocky attitude? This all is incredibly weird to me. Uh, Joe Clayton chimes in with this. So if I'm Houston, I'm taking Will Anderson. Use the other first round on defense. Take your two first rounders next year to make a run at Caleb Williams. See, I think the problem is like you, you have to be sure on a lot of things. Right, Joe? You have to be sure on a lot of things to buy that scenario. The least of which is Will Anderson, because I think we all buy that. But you've got to have a lot of other things kind of fall your way on that. Because I'm not quite sure how easy it might be if Caleb Williams turns out to be what Caleb Williams, what people believe. I don't think it's going to be that easy to get him. It's not just like that. I, I get what you're saying here, but right now you're in position to do something about it. You have to be absolutely sure that there's no way in the world this guy can turn into anything if you pass up number two with a significant quarterback need as a team. I mean, Will Anderson better be a future Hall of Famer, and you better hit it big next year with a quarterback in the draft. Everything better fall in your favor. I mean, really, in terms of the Colts, too, you you only you don't want to be up there that much. You don't want to be up there that much, and then you really don't want to have to try to get back up there that much. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. Jordan Reed to explain of ESPN.com. He's going to join us coming up on the other side. You got another night, which should be spectacular, of NBA playoff action. I loved it last night. Again, I'm not beating the drum for a little outside of the realm of basketball activity as we got last night between Sabonis and Green, but I'm not shying away from it. I think it makes it more interesting. I thought last night was made more interesting about it. I kind of look for it, and I often say this is when the playoffs really start. When, for lack of a better description, when the crap goes down, that's when it gets underway. I love that. Come back with that and a lot more. Jordan Reed of ESPN.com, Matt Painter, Matt Miller, podcasts with each 1075thefan.com if you missed those conversations earlier. 93.5 and 1075 The Fan. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flatts guy. Got a cool soul patch. He does, and a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Matt Miller a little bit earlier, ESPN.com. Matt Painter, the head coach of the Boilermakers, with a lot to say. And a lot of people listening to what he had to say a little bit earlier. If you missed it, that podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Chad Buchanan, Pacers general manager tomorrow. David Perner, Soul Asylum, Carb Day concert coming up May the 26th. Tickets available right now, IMS.com. David Perner of Soul Asylum joins us on tomorrow's show. Tavern Tour stop on Thursdays at Main Event in Fishers. Brent Halverson, our betting analyst, Heaven Hill Distillery. The free samples will be flowing. And uh, Colts defensive lineman DeForest Buckner joins us on the show coming up on Thursday. Hope to see you out there, by the way, too. Main Event in Fishers. 96th Street, I believe, right? If I have that wrong, somebody let me know. 96th Street in Fishers. That is coming up on Thursday. Our Tavern Tour stop in April at the main event. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group, Potline, ESPN, NFL, Draft Analyst, College Football Writer, NFL Writer, and more. It is Jordan Reed, again, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Hello, Jordan. How are you? Hey, how you doing? I hope all is well on your end. Thanks for having me. You got it. Um, there has been an interesting twist. And again, I've tried to explain it to folks out there that this is like normal operational procedure. When we get nine days or so clear from the draft, you start to hear a lot of stuff and a lot of it is untrue. But how much are you buying into the described slide of C.J. Stroud from what many people thought may have been a couple of weeks ago, the top selection? With Carolina now maybe sliding down, certainly to four, even further than that. How much truth to you is behind it, and why? Why, if so, are we hearing it right now? Well, this is the tough part of gauging the draft, and this is what I like to call the white noise section of it, just because there's so many things, there's so much static that you're going to hear. It could flip flop a week or so from now. CJ Stroud could go number one overall. It could be Will Levis. It could be Bryce Young. So. We don't really know what's going to happen with the number one overall pick. But with CJ, I have no idea why he's sliding, just because I think his tape is really good. He's the most polished passer of this year's group. And, yes, I know he had a litany of weapons to throw to during his time at Ohio State. But with this film, I think he's very polished, and I think his floor is very high coming into the NFL. I Honestly, Jordan, I can't imagine – like I, I mentioned this, you kind of look at it two different ways for Houston. I understand that Will, Will Anderson is a great defensive player. No doubt about that. That's the expectation. But Houston is quarterback necessary without question right now. So I don't know whether to look at it. I know some have kind of presented this question to me. Do you look at it like, wow, if Houston's passing up on this, there must be something really wrong. Or who the hell's running Houston's organization? Why are they passing up on this? How do you view that at number two? Yeah, and it could be something behind the scenes that we don't know, and maybe something pops up on draft day to make everything uh, clear as far as why CJ sliding. But I just don't see, just based on his film, the person, the character, I think all that stuff is squeaky clean. So with Will Anderson, maybe it's a situation of they have him higher ranked on their board, but 
I just don't see how they can trot out Case Keenum or Davis Mills going into next season and take Will Anderson and place him at the defensive end instead of having C.J. Stroud being their week one starter. Yeah, I mean, it just it seems like that the the risk versus reward is much more profound if you're the Texans than than it is just going with somebody you like and hopefully you can mold them into to what some people believe he's going to be and not, I guess, what others believe in a negative fashion. What, what they think he's going to be at the NFL level. That's some dangerous territory, it would seem. Yeah, it is. And whenever you're talking about passing on a quarterback and hoping that you could get a quarterback the following year, that's just – it's a situation of where I don't think NFL teams operate from just because every year they're fighting for job security and every team is different too. So I just don't see how the Texans can think that way. So Jordan Reed again via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So g- give me your thoughts. We're going to move on to some other positions, especially of need from the Colts and what may be a little bit more robust position-wise in this upcoming NFL draft. But Stroud, Levis, Young, Richardson, those four are the most often talked about quarterbacks at the top or near the top of this draft. Um, outside of Young, we know what he's about. Give us a comparison and maybe a contrast to Levis and Stroud and Richardson, in your opinion. Uh, I'll just start with Levis. Um, the player that I see in talking about the positives and the negatives of him is Carson Wentz. And if you think about it, with Carson, he was beloved coming into the pre-draft process, ended up being the number two overall selection. And at his peak, he was an MVP candidate during that 2018 season before he ended up tearing the ACL. So, Carson Wentz, I think, is a very apt comparison for him. Big, strong arm, competitive runner, can make all the throws that you want, but it's just the turnovers and the decision-making are the things that you worry the most about with Levis, very similar to Carson Wentz. Um, C.J. Stroud is the other. I see Joe Burrow um, when I'm watching C.J. Stroud, and that's just at his absolute peak. Uh, If he's able to reach his ceiling, I think he can be a Joe Burrow type of player. It's just with C.J., the mobility can he consistently be mobile creating out of structure and then making even when offensive coordinators call the wrong play can he make make it the right play that's going to be the big thing with cj we saw it against georgia we saw it against northwestern if he can consistently make those plays i think he can be a franchise player going forward and then with anthony richardson he has all of the physical traits that you want at the position but his Poor footwork leads to bad accuracy or inaccurate passes right now, but he's only started 13 games. And just to put this into context, as far as the type of player that we're dealing with, since 2000, there's only been two other quarterbacks that have went in the first round that had 13 career college starts or less, and that's Mark Sanchez and Mitchell Trubisky. So he's hoping that his career turns out different from those two players. Where where are our teams right now in your estimation on Richardson? Because it it seemed like, and and again, I normally bypass this and don't pay a lot of attention, but his his pro day was an eye-opener because he's so huge, so quick, so light on his feet, so incredibly athletic. It's tough not to go, oh, wow. But where are teams right now considering, you know, trying to trade up, not trading up, giving up value for him? Is there interest out there in trying to move up to secure him even with those 13 starts collegiately as quarterback? Yeah, it really just depends on the teams and the scouts that you talk to. There's some there's some teams that feel as if he's a first-rounder. There's some teams that will be scared endless to take him in the first round just because it's very hard to improve those inaccuracies within his footwork and then also – some of the other things that he has going on that's not in his favor right now. I don't like using the word raw or or a project with him just because I think he's just inexperienced and he just needs to gain some more experience. So it really just depends on 
um, exactly who you talk to. But as far as the pro day, I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. And with pro days, with quarterbacks, I always compare it to watching a golfer on the green or on the on the driving range. Just keep it in the green. He was able to do that. But he's just one of those players when you see him up close. It's like seeing a professional golfer hit it 350-plus yards yeah. in the fairway. It's just amazing when you see it and how easy he does it. Well, I, I mean, I know that they made you know Cam Newton comparisons, but even with that, he just he just looked so big <laughs> to be able to do yeah. what he was doing. And and again, light on his feet, athletic. What do you think the timetable is on Richardson if he's going to come around and, and be what some believe he can be positively in the NFL? How long will a team have to wait? It honestly just depends. It's a case-by-case basis, and I don't think there's no time that you can put on a quarterback's development just because it clicks for different people. Like Jalen Hurts is an example. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, Geno Smith could be an example. It took Geno nearly a decade while it took Jalen three years to really get to the the positions that they're in. So there's really no timetable. But with these project quarterbacks, it's always tricky. And it really just depends on the leash that the coach has or the job security that the GM has within the building. So for the Colts, for example, I don't know if Chris Ballard is going to be willing to bet on a project quarterback just because um, he has to get this quarterback pick right, just because he's been through so many veteran retreads, whether it's Phillip Rivers, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, he has to get this selection right. But with Shane Steichen, we saw what he was able to do with a player like Jalen Hurts that needed some help just to make those rough ends come together and form all the positives that he does have. So with Richardson, I think the Colts will be a great situation for him. But with Gardner Minshew, Sam Ellinger, some of the other quarterbacks that they have on the roster, he's probably going to have to play right away, which is the trickiest part about Anthony Richardson's evaluation. Yes, you want to use the Kansas City Chiefs blueprint when they had Alex Smith um, with Patrick Mahomes sitting behind Alex Smith. Excuse me, not saying Richardson's going to beat Mahomes, but just using that blueprint of where you want to sit him out for a year, having him learn to be a pro and get better at those negatives that he does have. But the only way that Richardson is going to get better at his current negatives is to have on-the-job training and playing. So that's the tricky part about his entire evaluation, in my opinion. Jordan Reed joins us from ESPN, ESPN.com, NFL draft analyst on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Is Stroud ready-made to start in, in week number one? Would you have any doubts? Let's just say, for example, the Colts draft him at number four if they get what I believe to be an incredible gift in their lap. Is is he week one ready in your estimation? Yeah, I think so, without question. He's the most polished of anybody in this group. He has the highest floor of any quarterback in this group, too. And I think with C.J., if he's able to go to a situation where Indianapolis would be able to play him right away, him having Jonathan Taylor behind him, they still need to add some pieces up front along the offensive line. I know they had some inconsistencies up front last year. He already has some weapons. Alec Pierce was great during his rookie season. Michael Pittman Jr. is another player I think is going to be really good for them in the future, too. So he has visible pieces already in place. But getting a piece like C.J. Stroud, I think, is going to make everything come together. Is Levis ready-made to start in week number one? Where is he in comparison, in your opinion, to Stroud? I think he is, honestly. But you just have to understand that it's going to be a very bumpy ride uh, with him. There's going to be some, what I like to call, what man, what was he thinking moments. But there's also going to be a lot of moments of where he wows you, too. So just understand that it's going to be a bumpy ride, and you have to take uh, the bumps and bruises that he's going to have during his development, just because you never know 
uh, the type of player that's going to show up on certain plays, but there's some plays where he's going to wow you in good and bad ways. Was was a year ago in Lexington more a product of him or a product of the lack of he what he had around him? Because you, you kind of consider you know some of the negatives that have been brought out is because C.J. Stroud in Columbus had a great deal around him. The negatives that have been brought out with Levis is that he didn't really have anybody around him a year ago at Kentucky is is that a real is that a real opinion out there or is that just one of those kind of baseless things where people are just guessing at this point and is approaching the draft as we are well it's all honestly an educated guess but everything was set up for Will Levis last year he had Liam Cohen who was a fantastic offensive coordinator he had really good weapons Wanda Robinson ended up being a third round pick to the Giants and then also he had really good offensive linemen Two years ago, Luke Fortner ended up playing a lot of games for the Jacksonville Jaguars as a rookie. Darian Kennard is going to end up being a key contributor as a depth piece for the Chiefs this next season. So he's losing valuable pieces, and he lost all of that last year. And then you combine that with the injuries that he had. He had a turf toe, and then he also had a shoulder injury too. So there was a lot of things working against him last year. But which player are you getting? Is it the 2021 version of Levis or is it the 2022 version of Levis? That's the big question that you're going to have to answer, and we're not going to have an answer until he steps on the NFL field. Uh, Jordan Reed of ESPN's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So, again, what allegedly has Carolina seen and soaked up regarding Bryce Young compared to the other three right now? So what, what in the opinion of Carolina, again, allegedly, reportedly, makes Young so different than Levis, Stroud, or Richardson. How far above the other three might he be right now in your estimation? Well, I think it's just the poise that he plays with, the poise, the pocket presence, and then just understanding how to have a feel for the position. And I know he's not the biggest guy in the world, five foot ten and a half, just over 200 pounds, but it's just the feel that he has for the position. But the thing that's most impressive about Bryce Young is just he has the same heartbeat no matter the magnitude of the situation. And even in Alabama's two losses last year against LSU and Tennessee, he constantly made plays to keep them in the game. It was the defense that really failed him in both of those games. But he was going blow for blow with both of those teams. And if you think about it, Alabama has been a wide receiver factory over the past decade. And if you look at the, the stat sheet, his leading receiver last year was Jameer Gibbs, who's a running back. So he didn't have any weapons. Alabama's offensive line wasn't great a year ago either. So you're talking about a player that can uplift despite having a pedestrian supporting cast. But now you put him in Carolina, a place where he has a young and ascending offensive line. I still think they need to add, add some more pieces on the perimeter. As far as wide receiver, they bought in Adam Thielen, DJ Shark, and they have Terrace Marshall too. So I still would like to see them, see them add another high-end talent at wide receiver but he's shown to be capable of uplifting the supporting cast. So Jordan Reed of ESPN with us. Where is, as far as you know, the number one in depth in this draft, positionally speaking, where is that? Um, there's a lot of positions. The top three, I would say, are running back, tight end, and cornerback. I think those are your three deepest positions right now in this draft class, and we can see as many as seven tight ends go inside of the top three rounds. 
When you look at the cornerback position, that's certainly one of need for the Colts. Of course, they got to have a second-round selection. And, and some of these guys, like uh, Witherspoon, for example, and, and Gonzalez, and, and maybe even you know, Julius Brents, I'm not sure, be off the board. How much availability might they have if they choose to go cornerback in round two, which they may not. They may try to go wide receiver, which is also a need. But plenty of cornerbacks to choose from in round number two for the Colts if they do end up choosing to go that direction. Yeah, I think somebody like Julius Brents of Kansas State would be a really good pick. Hometown kid right there from Indianapolis. So I think he would be a really good pick. But also Keely Ringo of Georgia. I think he's one that they've had in for a visit. He fits their scheme really well, too. So two players I think they could get at the top of the second round if they want it. I think most people have Christian Gonzalez of Oregon at the top of of the list, cornerback-wise. What makes him different uh, in a lot of opinions as far as his transition to the NFL at that position than others that are also at the cornerback position? Well, it's just the length and the athleticism with him. He also has the ball skills. Him coming over from Colorado, he didn't have any ball production there. But as far as his technique, he's very polished. His instincts are very good in zone. He can play press man. He can play off man. There's so many different boxes that he can check. And I think he's the best cornerback prospect in this entire draft, in my opinion. It's again, Jordan Reed of ESPN.com. Do we have any uh, any future Hall of Famers, in your opinion, that we might be talking about coming out of this draft, maybe at the top of this draft? Anybody pique your interest as far as really far down the road projection-wise, Hall of Fame-worthy uh, type of conversation? <laughs> If you find out, let me know. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, nobody even piques your interest as a long. Is I, I guess what I would describe it as can't miss. Like who, who's the um, most can't miss in your opinion? And maybe, maybe, maybe not that transitions into Hall of Fame, but who's the can't miss, going to produce early and often, and have longevity in this draft? I, I would go with Peter Skaronski of Northwestern. I think he can play guard. He can play tackle. Reminds me a lot of Joe Tooney. Uh, when he was coming out, David DeCastro was another popular comparison that you'll hear for him, too. So he would be the one that I would go with just because he could play inside, he could play outside. I would start him at tackle first um, just so he can prove that he cannot play that position first. I think he can play tackle. But if he doesn't project well outside, I think he can slide in to be a day-one starter at guard, too. Hey, Jordan, what's the wide receiver position look like in this draft? Uh, it looks very good. Um, there's not the high-end talent that we've seen in years past, but there's a lot of depth in this group. The top three names you hear, Jack Smith and Jigba of Ohio State, Jordan Addison of USC, and then also Zay Flowers of Boston College. But there's a lot of depth into day two and even day three in this group, too. Yeah, well, I guess what it was described to me is maybe, I don't want to put it this way, but I guess I have to, kind of smallish slot ride receivers. This is kind of, uh, this draft is robust in that category more so than the, the bigger, stronger wide receivers. Is that accurate? Yes, it is. There's a bunch of smaller wide receivers in this group, but there's some big ones in this group too, but it's more so on day two and day three. Cedric Tillman of Tennessee is one name you hear. Rasheed Rice of SMU. And then, of course, first-round caliber players, Quentin Johnston is the biggest of this group out of TCU. It's uh, Jordan Reed with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Line. I'm going to let you go here, but uh, what do you got on tap as far as working for ESPN? You got some work, I think, forthcoming here. Talk it up if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Jordan underscore Reed. That's J-O-R-D-A-N underscore R-E-I-D. You can follow all of my work there. Sending out NFL draft-related tweets all the time. You can also find my work on ESPN.com and ESPN Plus alongside my colleagues Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, and Matt Miller. We're going to have some fireworks, you think? Uh, Trading up, 
some stuff like that, or is this going to be kind of you know, normal, just pick by pick no. here? What do you think? I think we're going to have a lot of moving around in this draft class just because it doesn't have the high-end talent. Like we saw a year ago, there isn't an Aiden Hutchinson or a Sauce Gardner in this group. So I think we're going to see a lot of moving around, especially inside the top ten. Number four overall, the Colts will select. Um, I'm going to go with Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. Really? Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think he's a very <laughs> he, he will be a really good player for them. I have, I have now. It's funny. Before I let you go, I didn't want to say this. I'd heard a lot about. Levis around here and you never really know if if anything's true or if it's just kind of a misdirection going on a lot about Levis very little about Richardson and then I guess the interest in Stroud if he's available at four if if Stroud's available at four do you think the Colts still would go with Richardson in this case no I think they would go with Stroud I think that's best case scenario for them but if CJ's there at number four overall I think you don't waste any time turning the card in um, it sounds like Houston's going to stay at, at two, but anybody? Well, I guess I should put it this way. Will Arizona part with number three, you think? Yeah, I would be really surprised if Arizona picked at number three overall just because they have so many holes, and I think they need to trade back just to accumulate draft capital so they can feel some of those premium needs that they have. All right, man, get back to work. You got a lot of it with your contemporaries like there, certainly at ESPN and ESPN.com, getting everybody draft ready. I think about nine days to go, and uh, we will be there. Jordan Reed, at Jordan underscore Reed, uh, at, uh, on Twitter, I should say, and uh, he does a great job of analyzing this draft stuff for ESPN.com. Jordan, I appreciate you jumping on here. We'll do it again soon, and enjoy that time. And, man, grab some rest coming up after next weekend, all right? You may need a little bit of it. Grab some. Just a little bit. Absolutely. Thank you, as always, for having me. You got Jordan Reed on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Yeah, I don't know about, know about that. know about that. Anthony Richardson. And again, does anybody out there believe that if a lot of this stuff is true right now regarding Stroud, that they don't select Stroud at number four? What do you guys think in there in the lounge? Let's just say, for example, Houston decides to go Will Anderson. Houston doesn't draft a quarterback. Is it without question Chris Ballard selects C.J. Stroud? I'm trying to think what it might be like around here if he didn't. I'm not going to suggest there's going to be any pressure because I'm sure they're not worried about it, but wait, they're going to be wrong. There's pressure on this. But is it a foregone conclusion that if all of this is true, that Stroud is going to be that pick at number four? I mean, doesn't that seem like you're getting a gift? Pessimistically speaking, I get what you're talking about regarding Houston. Why in the world, when you are quarterback needy, do you go edge rusher on that at number two? What's being missed here? And again, part of that also comes down to what you believe in Chris Ballard making that pick. And most of that comes down to where the popularity meter is on Chris Ballard right now. I mean, really, nobody cares about that. You just care that he gets the pick right. You care that this team gets better sooner rather than later. But it is not like there's a great deal 
of deeply rooted confidence in him right now. And what I've said about that is it's much like that team a year ago, which didn't, and it was embarrassing. You've got to kind of prove it to folks around here. Any way at all they pass up Stroud at number four, if that is indeed the case? I I want to say I can't imagine it, but I kind of can. So we'll see what happens with Arizona as well. Now, we'll get to the latest. We'll get back to this coming up on the other side. We'll get to your calls at 239-1070. I've got ample time for you before the end of the show to talk about anything that you want. Matt Miller of ESPN.com, draft analyst a little bit earlier. That was Jordan Reed of ESPN.com, draft analyst. And Matt Painter, college basketball conversation that if you are a fan or not, you will want to listen to. Podcast 107.5, thefan.com with Matt Painter a little bit earlier. Tomorrow's show and your calls at 239-1070 for the first time today. That's coming up next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Here's Jenny! Don't! David Letterman! Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. Don't! 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, Pete, I think Stroud's really good. That's just me. Pete asked, do you really think if Stroud was a quarterback at Kentucky, he would be even in the conversation? Well, I mean, Will Levis is. He's a quarterback at Kentucky. You think Levis is that much better, Pete, than than Stroud? Am I making too much about one game? Am I not considering the talent around him that makes the quarterback great? He didn't seem to me like that type of quarterback. I guess I would think yes. I mean, Levis is. John Dishauer checks in. If Stroud falls to four, is there much of a drop-off between Stroud and a hooker? Possibly take a top cornerback for hooker in the second round. I don't know if, if hooker's going to be there. There are a lot of what-ifs right there. I mean, you're at four. Just draft a stinking quarterback. Don't you think? If Stroud's available at four, draft him. If he's unavailable at four, draft another one. Just draft a quarterback. Start, stop blanking around with it, right? And do it. Like, I'm going to tell you this. Houston may end up, if they go down this path, looking like a genius, but it may not. May not. Yeah, maybe you know, Davis Mills jumps off the page. Hey, you're up there. You're not up there very often unless you're a really jackass organization. So while you're up there, go get it. Just don't mess around with it. Kurt's at 239-1070. Hello, Kurt. How are you? Hey, good, JMV. Thanks for asking. How are you? Fantastic. Go ahead. Awesome. Hey, uh, JMV, got a question for you. Yes. Uh, Stroud, Mm -hmm. uh, what makes you think he's going to be any different than uh, JT Barrett, Cardale Jones, Dwayne Haskins? Um, I just, I think he's good. I think he's a good player. And I mean, again, I, I know my, sam- my sample size is, 
My sample. I mean, you could say this about everybody, though, man. Come on, Kurt. You can say that about anybody. You can say that about anybody. You can say that about you know Bryce Young. What you know? What makes him different than you know some of the bust around Alabama? I'm not worried about what's happened in the past. I'm worried about more what's happened in the present. And the last I saw C.J. Stroud, he was shredding the two-time defending national champions. I love that. So I love that out yeah. of it. And yeah. you, know, you you hire a coach in here too, Kurt. You hire a coach in here with a belief that he can form, transition anybody into a top-notch quarterback. So I would expect if you, if he is given that much talent in Stroud, that he's hired in here to be able to do something with it. So I do. I I have trust that this is not not going to be the same. I'm not as worried about that, I guess, Kurt, as others. Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, uh, you know, I mean, JT Barrett and Cardale Jones and Dwayne Haskins, I mean, they were competitive at Ohio State. I just, you know, I've just got that worry that the Ohio State quarterback, you know, and we all know uh, for those that have been around for quite some time, Art Schleister as well, uh, it just, man, you know, you you just, uh, I mean, that's got to be in the back of the mind, right? Who doesn't give you that worry? Which one of these guys doesn't give you? A significant worry. I I was at the combine, man, and I saw Stroud miss the out routes. Uh, But I tell you what, man, the guy that had the strongest arm, who was the most accurate at the combine, was Richardson. No, listen. There is there is no doubt when in, in terms of athleticism, you know, he is the guy. It just depends yeah, on how you know, again you get thirteen starts, and I mean you're talking you're you're basing your opinion on the past Ohio State quarterbacks. I I still think that there's more uncertainty about a guy that's had thirteen starts than there is basing you know a comparison on a guy in C.J. Stroud on dudes that came before him. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I do, and uh, you know that's it's kind of like the NIL, right? Like that's just the nature of uh, the NFL game. Well, yeah, games, right. And, like, and and who knows? I just to me, if you're the Colts, you make a decision on somebody and you make that pick. And I yeah, like Stroud. Right. That doesn't mean they do. I mean, listen, that is right. different than what I've talked about because I've been under the impression for a number of months that they like Levis. So, you know, yeah. I, we shall see, but I've been the one that has liked Stroud, and and again, my my angle can be viewed as weak too. I mean, I, I view mine mostly on the appearance of one game. So yeah, they're just there. There are a lot of holes you can uh, again poke in all these guys, but exactly. that doesn't take away who you selected number four. And I just think if Stroud is there, uh, you have to. But that's just me. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, JMB, thank you so much for taking the call. You got it, buddy. Call and have a great day, brother. Kurt, you call anytime. Thank you. JMB, if Michael Penix Jr. was at Ohio State, would he be in the conversation? I mean, what's he got? One more year at Washington? If he puts up these mammoth numbers and stays healthy, I don't know how old he is, but I mean, he'll probably be in the conversation of playing. Production puts you in a conversation. There's no doubt location also does, but. Pete, when you brought up, would Stroud be as recognized in Lexington as he is in Columbus? If you're recognizing Levis in Lexington, then there is no question that Stroud would also get that recognition. These guys are going to find you. They might not select accurately. They not might not pick the right guy. But at some point, they're going to find you. Hey, Jimmy's at 239-1070. Hello, Jimmy. 
Hey, John, how are you doing today, my Are friend? you coming out on Thursday to the main event in Fishers? Do you do referees have black and white stripes? I be- well, yeah, in the good. NBA, maybe not. But yes, you're maybe right. Not the NBA, the best in the world. Though. <laughs> the best. In, you know, what's funny about that argument. I brought this up yesterday. All these guys I rail on for sucking, and they stink, and they're horrible officials. They get all these plum gigs. They get all these great gigs. I mean, it's like the Tony Brothers and the Scott Fosters. And the Mark Davis is all these guys I rail on all the time. And somebody considers them great. It may not be me, but it's somebody. Somebody. Adam Silver, maybe. But <laughs> I don't know. Somebody maybe. thinks they're great. Just not hey, me. Th- hey, thanks for taking my call as always, John. You got it, buddy. Um, two things for you, my friend. One, uh, NBA playoffs. I love how much you talk, even though our Pacers aren't in it. Um, I, my appreciation for basketball is just as high as yours. And, um, I, you know I'm a big Steph Curry guy. I'm a, I'm a Warriors fan. But Draymond Green, what he did last night, I, I know Sabonis might have tugged on his, his leg, but there's no 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 reason, no call for what Draymond did. Um, and I, I still respect Sabonis for his time here. Um, I'm not worried about the Warriors. I think I think they could still win it in six. But it's, it's fun. It's definitely fun basketball to watch. And one quick cold take for you, John, if yep. you don't mind. Um, I think we need to draft Levitt uh, because I love Richardson and his athletic ability and everything, but we need a guy who's ready now and who's proven. I think Levitt is more proven than Richardson, although unless D.J. Stroud is available. And uh, by the way, that's an assist to my dad on that one. So, uh, <laughs> by the way, my dad says to tell you hello. Well, tell your dad hello. We always appreciate your show, and have a great night, John. You got it, buddy. Jimmy, thank you very much. We'll see you at the main event on Thursday. Tavern Tour stop, April. Main event, Fishers. You guys got to be there for it. Uh, J-Law sent me this. Here's that great photo of the play the other night. That was Saturday night at Dodger Stadium. Uh, Tucker Barnhart about a foot away or a foot late with that game-winning run. The Dodgers scored at Dodger Stadium. That is, you're right, that is a great photo. Hey, JMV, regarding what Matt Painter had to say, Nigel Pack got paid a lot more money to go to Miami, and he went to a Final Four. He was a difference maker. And certainly that was the reason why he went to Miami. Difference maker. Yeah, no question about that. We missed Matt Painter a little bit earlier. That is good stuff. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. JMV, I think Houston has to be number one next year to make a run at Caleb Williams. I'm telling you, I just don't know. Back-to-back years of being two and then one. and These guys all going to be as pedestrian as an NFL quarterback as some believe them to be? can't imagine you can't find something here. Matthew's at 239-1070. Matthew, hello. Hey, JMV. How are things in Maine? Uh, things are good in Maine. They're very wet here, but only in the 50s. Now, that's like uh, tropical in April for Maine, is it not, where you are? Yes, it's wonderful. It, it got up to 76 last Friday. Holy crap. That's, like, that's going to thaw out everything up there. 
Yeah, it it has. <laughs> what you got? Uh, I'm coming to Indy in a couple of weeks for the first time to attempt the half marathon. So, do you know yet if you'll have a remote show the Thursday or the Friday before the mini by chance? Uh, what what date is that, Matthew? Of that? Uh, May fourth or May fifth? I do not know right now, and uh, I'm not sure. I'll have to ask. Hopefully, I have an answer for you maybe tomorrow. I'll have to ask. I'm not sure. But I'd love to. Yeah, we we want you out. There's no doubt about that. So you get in town. We got to have you out. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I had a I was briefly in, in Indy one time in 2018 for about an hour, but I missed literally everything. So I oh we're back to do all the things that I that I missed. We'll, back get, we'll get Query out there too. We'll make sure that uh, you you uh you get everything. You notice everything. You have fun with everything this time. Yes, that is awesome. Matthew, I'll let you know. Thank you for the call. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, you know, I just don't know. Friday before the mini, I don't know if I'm going to be anywhere or not. Yeah, JMV, why don't you run the mini? Because running is punishment. You guys not aware of that? You guys ever play a team sport? Jack around, get in trouble? What do they do? Make you run. It's punishment. My kid at Ron Colley ran. I was. I caught him running the thirty-two hundred the other night, and I said, "What are you psychotic? <laughs> thirty-two hundred? How many laps is that? My nips would be all sorts of chafe by the time that thing was over. Can you imagine? Ah, running's punishment. More power to you if you want to do. I know that there are a lot of other reasons why people run the mini. By the way, too. You know, inspirations in honoring people, past and present. Great deal of respect for all of it. But make no mistake, I think a lot of us know the true meaning of running, and that is punishment. Now you screwed this up. Better go run. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. What did you do here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not paying attention in practice? Yeah. Hey, Blankwad, go run. They didn't send me up into the upper deck of the Eastern High School gymnasium yeah, because <laughs> they enjoyed my company. Hey, great job today. Great job today on that algebra test. Why don't you go up there and run? And not me. Not me. Never going to be me. 3,200? How many laps is that? Eight? That eight laps at Ron Colley? I watch these track meets. I literally have zero idea what's going on other than, and I'm glad that he does. It takes forever, forever, 3,200. What is happening here? Whose kid are you? 3,200. Quick break. We'll come back. If you're on hold, I'll get to you to close out what has been an outstanding day, especially in the guest category. We bounce back with a humdinger coming up tomorrow, too. Back with you next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Well, wait just a minute. Did anybody f- knock anymore? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
All right. Mike Mills, Peter Buck. Hall of Famers with REM, they have a side project called the Baseball Project for a number of years, right? Coming to the Deluxe at Old National Center, August the 26th. That's on a Saturday night. Would you like to go? I've got a pair of tickets, number nine at 239-1070. Can go and check out the Baseball Project. That's again Saturday, August the 26th, 7 o'clock. The Deluxe at Old National Center is legit, by the way, too. And I would also invite you, if you've never heard of the Baseball Project, to check it out. I promise you will dig it. There are way too many incredible musicians involved in this side project. Not not to like it. Just way too many good ones. Number nine at 239-1070 is going to go. Quick shout out to Jimi Hendrix of Live Nation. As always, for hanging with us, being a part of the show, being on the show. We do appreciate that. Hey, by the way, too, a different venue I know. But down at the Brown County Music Center tonight, anybody going? I believe Robin Zander and Rick Nielsen are on stage at Brown County Music Center tonight. That would be cheap trick. It's outstanding. Well, Surrender is by far my favorite. I know I get a little bit of a nudge because... It takes place in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but that's going to be a great show. Brown County Music Center, soak it up. Elvis Costello coming, I believe. Elvis Costello in that show, Nick Lowe. Nick Lowe of Cruel to Be Kind fame opens up. I believe that's the case. But check it out. Thank me later for that. Uh, Mark writes this, hey, GMV, why don't you run the mini? A question I never thought I'd hear. <laughs> yeah. You imagine all the chafing going on? I don't even want to recognize how much chafing is happening. Only there's enough lotion in the world to be rubbing all over myself. Make sure I don't chafe. Yeah, running's punishment. You did wrong, go run. Hey, happy birthday, go run. Does anybody ever say that? Hey, congratulations on your new job. Congratulations on your promotion and work. Now, go run eight laps. Come on. Robbie B. checks in. I'm telling you, there's one guy on the list for the Colts, and it's Levis. Weird dude, but he's got a chip on his shoulder. Cocky, but I love it. Literally morphed himself into the Hulk with a rocket arm. Steichen is going to turn him into Hertz 5.0. Uh, KT checks in. Barnheiser and Bilek running suicides or lines, as I guess people would call them today as well, for every free throw missed below 70%. Hashtag punishment. Hey, you know what? You're shooting 95% for the free throw line. Yeah, go run. <laughs> so true. Tim's up next at 239-1070. Hello, Tim. Hi. How you doing, John? I am great. Go ahead. Hey, I agree with you 100%. The only time I ever did any long-distance running when I had to in the military to pass my PT test. Exactly. And it wasn't like, hey, congratulations. You know, you're a really swell guy, right? You're you're good in the Army. Go run. 
Oh, what happened? I'm sorry. You can call back. We'll put you back on. I think James accidentally hit that. You were not booted off. The baseball project people are calling in right now. My bad. I'll put you back on whenever you call back in. Jed, you're up next at 239-1070. Hello, Jed. Hey, JMV. How are you? I'm great. Hey, I want to comment on the Matt Painter interview. Yes. I I don't know about the, the Purdue fans, which I'm not one, but I find his comments maddening about staying in a, a style of play to fit the Big Ten as a priority. I'm an Ohio State grad. It reminds me so much of when Nurban Meyer came and changed the system that they might lose Big Ten games here and then, but they would actually have the chance to win a title at times. Oh, listen, I, I don't think that there's going to be some chance. I mean, he recognized this. He brought it up twice about the trend that has gotten them beat in what he described as embarrassing fashion. You know, St. Peter's, obviously, fairly Dickinson, quick guards. I, I, listen, they're going to work on that, and he understands that aspect, but I just don't think he's going to go at all through a complete overhaul for this because they still win too much. Agree? I, well, I guess I would ask Purdue fans because I think they would rather have national title runs than all these Big Ten championships and early exits in the tournament. Yeah, and listen, and Jed, thank you for the call. There's no doubt about that. That's where we are right now with Purdue. But again, you're justified to take that next step by winning. They don't have to have a major overhaul. You just have to get with some of the reasons as to why you lost the games that he talked about earlier. If you miss Matt Painter, podcast 107.5thefan.com. James, great job out of you. Chad Buchanan, straight at you tomorrow. Pacers general manager David Perner, too. Have a great night.